Welcome to the 373rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 28th, 2024. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show with me is the man who... Oh, damn it. I forgot to put something down here. I'm tired, Oh, folks. no. It was such a good opening, too. I ruined it. Do we do it again? Nah, let's roll with it. I'm too tired. I can't really? With me is the guy who is struggling through adversity, Carlos Rodella. Yes. I can't hear myself in my headphones, and so maybe that threw you off, too. I mean, that part might have thrown me off, but I think, honestly, uh, I just as a peek behind the curtain, folks, uh, I had to go and do a gig this morning uh, right in the middle of when I should be sleeping, so I actually didn't sleep this morning, and I'm way behind, and I'm pretty uh, foggy foggy and groggy right now, so I yeah. think maybe that's what it is. But anyway, you sound okay to me, though. Yeah, I mean, I, can, I can't hear myself in my headphones which, again, peek behind the curtain number two. Yeah, a little tech malfunction this morning. Wow, it's so weird. And you're like, this is how I do the podcast every week. And I'm like, really? Yep, yep. Well, you know, you've got that super hearing. You're like the audio guy. I'm just like a regular old Joe. So, you know, I just I just do it like, you know, the whatever I can whatever I can get done. I don't have the fancy setup. I don't have the uh, the high-tech stuff. But uh, I get I get you. You got weird headphones. It sounds different. Throws you off. I get it. All right. Well, we're just all like discombobulated, but we got to do a podcast because there's so much to talk about. So we will just get back on the rails. We're going to just get back on the rails. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it happen because you know what? The show must go on. Yes. Okay. Folks, we're going to start things off as per usual. Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. His side, my side, things are a mess and we're going to tidy up right here and right now. And boy, things are actually extra extra messy this week dang it's pretty bad but it's also housekeeping carlos what do you have on your side of the room this week there's so much there's so much There's way too much yes um obviously the some of the bigger boxes right in the front is the microsoft direct happened oh um, yeah that did happen did i, I watch mean, it no i didn't watch it you didn't watch it i guess it maybe is i shouldn't say it's a big box because it's a big box for some others they just don't even see the boxes well, you know, it's funny because you said Microsoft and I was about to jump in, but then you 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 veered off on me there. Oh, you're going to do layoffs. I thought you were going to start with layoffs because that is the big one, I think. I mean, I had a little list going here about like, oh, the layoffs. And then like I started this list at the beginning of uh, last week, uh, you know, six, six days ago. And I'm like, oh, I better talk about this on the show. People are getting laid off. And like literally every day there was more and more and more and more. And I'm like, oh, geez, I can't go through all this. So I'm like, OK, whatever. We'll just talk about. Basically, everybody's getting laid off, but like it's yeah. like a fucking bloodbath out there right now. Yeah, so I guess that is the bigger box, and it is crappy and weird, especially with like how much money some of these companies are making, yet they're still making cuts. Um, kind of part of that, a uh, Embracer group just keeps like shuttering studios. They got rid of Volition, and they like I like them, and I like the last. They made some, they made some good shit, dude. Yeah, dude. And so just recently, as of last week, they are trying to close Piranha Bytes, who we love. Oh, what? Yes, Fuck, Piranha Bytes, dude. They're bros. We love them. I know, but here's the deal. So they're uh, letting them try to find a publisher. So if they can find a publisher, they'll keep them on board, I guess, or something. Oh my so God. they're not fully gone, but they're real close to being gone, and that's really crappy. So, yeah, layoffs across the board, it all sucks. Um, yes. 
That's bad. Yeah. I mean, I was doing a little bit of reading about this. There was a pretty good article written by Christopher Dring in GameIndustry.biz. Now, his was one of the earliest articles. So this was like five days before the rest of the layoffs happened. So I don't know if he would want to amend this now or whatever. But he was talking to various CEOs or whatever. And they were like, oh, you know, we're expecting a lot of closures. Developers, publishers, media, service company. You know, and his line was there's too many unprofitable businesses. And... I mean, maybe that's true, but I have to wonder, like, why is that? Like, why is there so many unprofitable businesses if you have been managing things properly instead of being like these profit-grabbing sons of bitches? Maybe we wouldn't have to lay everybody off. If you didn't, like, buy and buy and buy and buy and buy, if you didn't expand like crazy, if you didn't merge like crazy, if you just kept to your damn business and just did things like a normal way, like, maybe people wouldn't be out of a job right now. Yeah. Um, one of the, the follow-up things, which I think is actually true, uh, this one, uh, they said, there is no room to raise video game prices to compensate. There is simply no tolerance of further price moves, which I think is actually correct. Um, I'm kind of facing the same thing, like side tangent, but like my wife runs an agency here in town for freelancers. And we get uh, uh, a little peek behind my wife's curtain, I guess. These freelancers every year, they come back and they always raise their rates by like five or 10 or $15, like per year, right? It's not even talk, talking about like a like a 2% cost of living increase or something. They Whatever they feel like doing, they just increase. And that's, that's all well and good to a point because if you are a freelancer, I get you control your own business and you do what you want to do. But at the same time, there is a ceiling, and I don't think here in America we are used to the idea of like a price ceiling. At some point, you will raise your price so high that people will simply say, no, fuck off, mm -hmm. and they will no longer do it. And I think we're kind of seeing that in games as well. I know that a lot of industry folks are like, well, we've got to generate like a billion textures, and we have to have 750,000 people making making assets. Okay, well, you can't keep, you know, games can't be $1,500 a piece or whatever, so we're going to have to realize, do you know, do lower price points, do something more affordable. But that but that requires a whole change in the whole way we do business. And unfortunately, I don't feel like the CEOs have kept up with that. They've been kind of just like storming ahead. And this is what happens. Now we have like yeah. all these fucking layoffs because they just weren't thinking, man. That's a good point. That's the main thing I was going to say is that like, it's unfortunate that we're in this period because it was bad management that got us here. You yeah, know? agreed. Totally. Like you have all these, and also just kind of like forecasting, like you said, like you're going to make um this game and it needs all these extra things or does it really right because right, right, right. if it doesn't then you hire accordingly exactly and you, and you don't hire five million people i mean i don't want to make it about twitter and and other companies that are like tech companies but there is something similar there where management like did a terrible job of like hiring five thousand people for a job that didn't need five thousand people right 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 so again it comes down to management and it all sucks but maybe we can like fix the industry now and i don't know like i mean maybe you know one other thing that i think is related this reminds me a lot of the um oh gosh was it tomb raider i think it was maybe i'm wrong but i think it was tomb raider that square enix put out and it sold like bananas right it sold like whatever like nine or ten million copies or i mean like you know incredible good numbers for like any random game but then remember Square Enix was like, oh, this didn't hit our price, didn't hit our price targets. And it was a disappointment, even though it like basically everybody bought it. You remember that? Yeah, one yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that kind of shows again, like that the studio heads are not thinking straight, dude. Like you can't sell three copies to everybody who owns a PlayStation. That's that's never going to be the sell through you're going to get. So don't plan for that. You know, like well, what I was going to say, that's part two. And part two is profits. Right. And right. And the kind of profit greed that is happening, which is to your point with Tomb Raider, but also with like free-to-play games and also 
games that are like even Suicide Squad, which isn't free to play, but they still want to monetize. Right. And so it's like, that's the second part of this conversation is like, yeah, the management of what you want to do with that game. Like what is profitable? What is right, a success? Right, right. Exactly. Like, are you thinking of selling one copy and that's your profit margin? Or are you thinking you're going to sell a copy plus you're going to get like X dollars over the next 12 months thinking that people are going to buy into your game and it's going to be their new favorite thing online. I mean, you got, yeah, you got to be conservative. I think people were crazy. And I think something that goes along with that is, is COVID a little bit. And I think, um, not in the way that you might think. I, I, I didn't think of this myself. I think this was also from the article. Um, but they were saying that before, so before COVID there's like one set of numbers COVID happened. And because we were all like basically staying home back then and, um, you know, video game sales went way up because we were all home all the time. Like, you know, Every game basically sold more than they thought because everybody was staying home and we mm -hmm. needed stuff to do. And so people were like, oh, ramp everything up. Like, this is the new normal. And people were planning on the pandemic numbers being the same. We're not we're not post-pandemic. I refuse to say that. But saying it now that things have changed, people are yeah. going out and stuff. And so now they're like, oh, we greenlit all these games and we expected all these numbers. But like no one is locked in there. I mean, not that we were ever really locked in our house, but, you know, people are going out again and games is not the only thing they're doing. And so like the numbers that they had keyed for were like way too high yeah, on yeah. top of the second part of this, which is not related to COVID, just like the industry in general, how many games there are, dude? Like, I mean, you and I played basically every game there was, and yet there were still 10,000 games we didn't get to. I mean, we covered several hundred games a piece on the show, and there was still like an infinite number we didn't touch. You can't support all those games, man. There's just not enough room for all those games to be out there. There's too much in the market at the same time, right? Yeah. Well, that's a lot. Um, that is a big box. It's huge. Yeah, we're and not going to sad. We have to leave it in the house because it's not going anywhere. It can't fit it out the door. But, you know, I know we've just been talking and stuff. And I, I, I do want to just really underline um, the people, the people in all this, the developers, the artists, the talented people, everybody who creates the things that we love and talk about every single week. I mean, we love our developers. We love our our creators, our artists, all those people, the writers, especially everything. And so I feel terrible for these folks that, you know, they're a part of this industry that we know and love. And, and so much of our life revolves around. And yet all these people are now out on their asses looking for work, man. My heart goes out to them all. I wish I could. I wish I had some company. I wish I could hire them all. I just can't. But I wish there was something we could do for them. Can you hire me? Because I'm part of the, the actual <laughs> issue as well. Well, you'd be the first if I had a, if I had a spare five bucks to to my name, I would hire you first, bro. But like, I yeah, feel bad for everybody. Cause man. we didn't, you didn't include community managers. Right. Mm -hmm. And like all the social well, them teams, too, them too, all of them. Yeah. Because I, I that, that's a whole other box that we could get into someday, but like community managers, social media content, uh, video producers Very and editors roles, like the unsung heroes. Man. Yeah. It's just crazy how much, uh, love they don't get. Exactly. Uh, I'm not even saying just so for key. myself, but yeah, they're like, they, that's how you get your message out. That's how exactly. you, um, get, excitement around a game you know virality all yeah, that stuff. yeah yeah anywho they're they just go too. like and sometimes they're the first to go yeah i know yeah uh let's move on to something that's microsoft related though which is that direct i was talking about yes the one i didn't watch. um yes yeah, so when you didn't watch nothing really much to to say they didn't do any like shadow drops or uh like last year they did that shadow drop um it was just they talked about avowed hellblade uh indiana jones and one other game i can't remember what's the other game I don't know. Was that really exciting one? Wow, it must have been. But <laughs> I, I just wanted to highlight like Avowed, which I love Obsidian. I'll buy it. There's there's no question, right? Because I love Outer Worlds. I love Obsidian. But the thing I was frustrated about in the direct is, and you can watch it, it's just like these directs where the developers do like a highly, highly produced like package 
where it doesn't even feel like they're real people anymore. You know, like you have like like when they're up on again, stage talking. No, no, no. That's like you know the pre pre made direct like little packages. Oh, about, right, right. This is our game. It's going to feature these things. Right. They've they it's, were, gonna, it's not live. They've recorded ahead of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even like Todd's for Star Starfield. Like I didn't like. Like I, I like the, the like when they talk about the real people making the game and like individual stories. That's cool. But like when it gets super produced. I just feel like I don't know. Like I'd rather just see the developers talk about the game, you know, and like right. see the real people. Um, so that one just felt way overproduced. And that thing where they have like two different camera angles, I'm fucking over it. You know, just show me one angle. I don't care. I don't need the side <laughs> angle of the guy. We're saying, not filming a sitcom here, folks. Yeah, dude. So, anyways, I thought that was weird. And also, I don't. The more Morrissey of Avowed, I don't like the art direction at all. Oh, really? I haven't looked at anything about it. What? Tell me just Ugh. really quickly. What? what it's just know? colorful and like, <laughs> and like. Okay, well, you, you would understand if you remember the original trailer. No, did you ever I, see that? I don't think I did. I don't have. Well, no. that's why. So the internet's talking about this too. But the Avowed's original trailer looked like Skyrim and super dark and realistic. Mm-hmm. And now, they, at some point, they just switched at some point in the art direction. It's, like, colorful, and it feels more like Outer Worlds, where it's, like, oh, okay. you know, kind of cartoony almost in a way. Um, it just feels, like, fun, but it's not, like, what I was kind of hoping, like, a, a new Skyrim or whatever. All right, let me just write this down. Carlos does not like colors or yeah. fun. Check. Fun. Got Either. it. Yep. Okay, yep. got it. Yeah, good. In my <laughs> RPGs. Uh, actually, in my RPGs, and you can actually put take that to the bank. That is true. All right, all right. That's fair. Um, That's fair. You like what you like. So, Hellblade looks good. I, I'm going to play it. Of course, I, I like the original, and you still have to play the I'll original. I'll get to it but, at some point this year. I will. But the big news is about Indiana Jones because uh, Machine Head Games is making it first person Castle Wolfenstein or Wolfenstein or I guess whatever. Um, yeah, that's their game. And the more and more I look at it, it just basically looks like a new Wolfenstein game. Oof. With Boy, Indiana Jones skin are, on you it. You are cooling me off so hard. <laughs> right. Well, a lot of people on the internet are cooled off. Oh, like, are they? I thought they'd be up yeah. for it. I thought everybody loved no, no, Wolfenstein. No, no, no. Yeah, most like YouTube videos I watch are like, yeah, no thanks. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, but the biggest thing I want to mention real quick is, okay, so Harrison Ford's not going to do the voice, although I bet you he still could because he was just in a movie. But um, guess who they got to do the voice? I have no idea. Are you kidding me? Guess who they got to do the voice? I literally don't know. You do know. I could. Uh, I don't know. The guy that voices Optimus know. Prime? No. You Who? Is it me? <laughs> it's you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is it me? Really? <laughs> no, it isn't. Oh. Um, who is the person they're overusing in the industry? Nolan North? No, not anymore. Oh, Troy Baker. Troy Baker? Oh, Troy, really? Troy Baker? Again. Yeah. Wow. I'm is he literally the only voice artist that's working in America right now? Because it seems that like That is it. not true, and that makes me so mad. That's what there's, it seems like. I know there's so many good people who do this job. What the fuck? I guess when you get that's, to the top, of, the top of the ranks, you know, that's how you get the work, I suppose. No, that is not. There's no excuse for it. I mean, reputation. When, when you ask nope. anybody, like, oh, so let me... So if you're going to ask anybody... Hey, games, uh, I don't know, producer or publisher or whatever, name three voice artists. And they'd be like, Nolan North, Troy Baker, and uh, 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 the guy that does That's on them. Prime. That's on them. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it totally is on them. I agree with you 100%. I'm just being facetious here. But like, yeah. you know, I think it's just they know the name and they want a good name. And it's maybe it's the equivalent of like hiring a Brad Pitt to be in your movie. Like maybe he's it not is. the right actor, but people will go for the name, right? 
and that's fucking stupid too. I mean, so agreed, agreed. I could get on a soapbox and I won't, but that just pisses me the fuck off. And I, I don't think I'm going to play the game, actually. I'm getting mad as I think about it. <laughs> but no, I don't think I'm going to play it because I want to actually put my money where my mouth is, you know, and we right. both do that. Oh, yeah, the, oh, yeah. In the industry all the time. So yeah, I've, I've decided right now on this show, I'm not going to play that game because I want another voice actor. Um, that's, yeah, I, nothing against him at, as a person. But like if, again, Brad Pitt's in everything, if... People are in every, you know, the same actors and everything. I don't want to see that movie either. Right. So, okay. Well, I mean, I believe that. Just to, as a quick tangent here, you said put your money where your mouth is, which is something I, I thoroughly believe in, especially when it comes to, um, you know, like leisure time activities or stuff, you know, like like games or action figures or like whatever you're into. Like if you like a thing, it has to survive because of capitalism. That's a whole other discussion. But you got you to gotta pay for it if you like it. Like you can't say that you're a fan of something. But then you've pirated every single release and then that the artist or whatever gets no money, right? So yeah. I just put my money where my mouth is uh, a couple days, two days ago, and I paid full price, which I, you know I fucking never do, full price plus the deluxe edition for Helldivers 2 on PS5. Oh, right, because it's coming out soon. It's coming out in February, and I, I mean, God's honest truth, dude, and I'm not a religious person. But, like, I'm not convinced that moving the game to a behind-the-back perspective is going to deliver the kind of game that I'm after. But I owe them so much for, like, how many hundreds and hundreds of hours of enjoyment I got out of Helldivers. I only bought it mm-hmm. once, and I played it for so many hours, and I, it was like a touchstone in our family. It's on my top ten of all time. I had original art commission based off that game. I mean, that game was, like, such a huge part of my life that I feel like I owe them more than a one-time purchase 15 years ago or whatever. So I'm like, regardless of whether the game is good or not, I owe you guys, and I'm going to pay this full price. And there's where my my money went. So I did did walk my talk. Yeah, you're supporting it, and that's great. I'll actually get it, too, because I do want to both have us both talk about it. And I think it'll still be fun, the third person. I've seen enough gameplay that I don't think they're going to, like... I don't think they could like mess it up. Oh, man, I mean, it's just going to be different. I want to believe, dude. I want to believe, and 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 in one sense, this is going to sound crazy. In one sense, I kind of don't want it to be good because if it is good, then I'm going to have to buy another PS5 for my wife because she's going to be like, uh, "Excuse me, we're teammates, and where the fuck is my PS5?" So, oh, wow. I kind of don't. Want, I kind of hope it's not that great. That's an interesting. <laughs> that's take. a whole. Yeah, that's a that's a bad take, honestly. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And uh, speaking of PS5, uh, new PS5 controllers coming out. Uh, very soon, and I'm going to get it, of course, because it's 12-hour battery life. Oh, snap. I mean, we were talking we about were just that, just talking remember? about it two episodes ago. Yeah, so um, and right now I have all of them charged on my GameStop, new, my new GameStop charger. That's right, you're charger. charging, rotating through those one at a time? It's so good, dude. Two of them are always charging. It's great. Excellent. Um, I love GameStop. I don't care. Uh, what was it from Dumb Money? And um, Did you watch Dumb Money yet? It's on my list. We haven't got to it yet. Okay. Uh, he's like, I like the stock. <laughs> I like the stock and that's how it started dude that's right. how you'll you'll see in the movie but anyways I do like the stock and I do like GameStop um, also um, let's see I did Prana Bites uh, Frostpunk 2 is coming out the first half of this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and on Game Pass by the way at the same time yep wow well that changes things then that changes things because Game Pass. I mean, I'll try anything on Game Pass. And I know I said I was going to wait six months for it to be perfect. But man, if they're launching on Game Pass, they must be pretty confident. I think they are. And they have we forgot how long it's been. But it's been a while. I think it's been yeah, a while. It's been quite a while. So, yeah. Anyways, I thought I'd mention it to you and also our listeners. Oh, yeah. We always talk about Frostpunk. Um, also, Topspin, which I talked about on the show because yep. I worked on it a long time ago. It's coming back. 
And uh, is that a coincidence? Did they hear me? I don't know. I think but... someone heard the podcast and like, well, if Carlos likes this, we got to bring it back. Yeah, it's coming back. I don't know in what capacity. All credit to you, dude. 100% credit to you. It's 100% me. And maybe I'll go do QA on it. I need a job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're listening, Top Spin people, this dude know. knows what he's talking about. Please hire him. Um, and now, last thing I was going to say on the industry stuff, well, two, two kind of downers as well. Um, Sega is paywalling New Game Plus in um, that new, what's it called? Um, Infinite Wealth game. What? Are the yeah. the 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 Yakuza game? Yakuza, yeah. So you you can't you have to pay an extra fifteen dollars to get the new Shut game up. What? Never happened before in the industry. You've got to be fucking kidding me. I'm not. I'm not. It's on all the YouTube videos. That is a why. I, I I am Wild. speechless. I'm speechless. I I have never heard of anything so crazy. It's crazy. Did it they explain why? Oh uh, no, no, they didn't. Um, just because they can. I mean, probably. okay. So here's okay. Let me let me think this through just for a minute. I don't know anything about this because I'm literally learning about it in real time right now. And I'll triple check on the website. That's but fine. Go ahead. That sounds fucking insane to me. But I'm trying to think of a way that it wouldn't be fucking insane. Just to play devil's advocate here, which is usually your job, but I'm going to do it today right now. So the only thing I could possibly fucking imagine justifying a new game plus charge of fifteen dollars is if like you roll credits and then all of a sudden it's like. Hey, here's like a whole second game, basically, but it's new content. There's a new land. There's a new. If you're just replaying the same game, that fuck everything about that. But if it's like, here's tw- like if it's like twenty hours of new gameplay, and they just happen to like unlock it after you finish the campaign, but it's really DLC. I mean, maybe that might make sense, but it still is kind of crazy to put it that way because you're gonna piss people off from the get go. Like I am immediately pissed when I hear that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it says. New Game Plus is indeed is indeed only available with the Master Vacation Pack. So there's a pack that you get that allows for it. But yeah, it doesn't sound like that's like. I mean, you get all these extra shit anyhow for getting the you know fancier. But editions. still, that's fucking crazy. I mean, that's number crazy. one, okay. So number one, most people don't finish the games anyway. Number two, out of the people who do bother to finish, are they gonna like? kick in another 15 or they're going to move on to something else this seems like a mistake dude i mean probably oh, yeah. there's probably like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the player base even gives a shit about new game plus especially for like a long ass rpg like this so it i'm gonna have weird. to do some reading this sounds insane to me yeah and what's also weird is that in that game not as in a negative thing but like you can do like um animal crossing type mini game where you like literally build a, a whole like village and stuff. oh yeah, yeah yeah um so there's a lot of fun stuff in that game by the way but uh, yeah, that seems crazy. So I thought I'd mention it. Oh my god, god, I didn't even hear about that. That's wild, dude. You got your cockles up, is oh, that right? Uh, hackles. Hackles. I always say it wrong. Okay. <laughs> I think I did it last time. The same cockle way. is like a it's like a scallop. Got my scallops up. You got my sca- I got your scallops up. Yeah. Okay. The last thing that should also get your hackles up is Ubisoft. Did you hear what they said? No, I don't. I'm, I'm out of the loop, dude. I don't know shit this week. Okay. Well, anyways, someone at Ubisoft said something about. The idea that gamers have to get comfortable not owning their games. Oh, you know, I did hear that. As a matter of fact, yeah. I did hear about that. That was crazy. Well, I mean, oh, you know, I talked about it last week. I talked about it last week. I brought it to the show last week. Yes. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. I only, I did, I did listen to some of the episode, but I jumped around. You didn't hear the part where just, I was talking. You skipped over me talking last week. No, I just heard the review parts. And since I was the only person talking, you skipped over the show. No, I skipped over. I just watched the review part to listen to the reviews, <laughs> the games, Cub and all that. I listened to the games. Sure, sure. I believe you. But I, did you talk about that in housekeeping? Yeah, I did. I did. It was okay. so. It was two weeks ago that that story broke, and I brought it last. So that's why I didn't know about it this week. But yeah, I did talk uh, about it, and I was like, I went on a pretty lengthy, uh, 
like the discussion was pretty good. That guy's pretty smart. You should go back and listen to it. Oh, that guy, Brad. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. I like him. I'll go listen. I'll listen to. Yeah, him. I'm gonna give him a follow. We we won't uh, talk about it now. Then, um, <laughs> man, I guess that's it. There's other stuff. I was gonna say Witch Rise is a, a game that almost got me because it was a first person old school dungeon crawler, and I was like, oh, this looks great. But I was smart. I went to the right on my PlayStation. You check the publisher first. Check the publisher. It's rather like uh, no, and you ran screaming the other way. Yeah, I did. That is the correct and proper action. I, I congratulate you, sir. Thank you. Um, are you got more stuff, or what do you got? Jeez, I do, and you just go ahead. All right, let me just do a couple things here, and if you got something else, we can bring it up at the, at the back end here. Um, first off, uh, I want to say a big, giant, celebratory confetti streamers and balloons, candles, frosting, birthday to longtime friend, uh, listener of the show, uh, Discord member, way to go. Thank you for being my friend for so long and being part of the Game Critics community, being part of the So Video Games community, being part of the Discord. Happy birthday, man. Happy, 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 happy birthday. birthday. Yay. Um, yes, happy birthday. Uh, moving on, did you see, I believe it was good friend Elijah Beam who mentioned in the Discord, actually, that Nintendo's going to be shutting down for good Wii U and 3DS online services. Did you see that? I did. I actually uh, wrote a sketch about it, and I haven't posted it you, yet. But, um, <laughs> you wrote a sketch yeah, I about did. it. All right, awesome. Well, I wrote a sketch, and tell me if I should post it or not, and then we'll go back to it. Okay. Is, um, it's me talking to the Wii U and saying, like, oh, I guess you're you're closing down. And he's like, yeah, I'm tired. You know, <laughs> Is this kind of like a euthanasia sort of a thing? Kind of, but it's no, it's more like, um, it's just like retiring. Oh, know? okay. It would have been kind of funny if, if he was, this is, you know, like, you know, this is this actually is really end. sad, but like, you know, it would be funny in a dark way. Like, you know, when people take their, their pets, oh, I'm going to hit him out for this. People take their pets to like the, the vet and they get, go to put them down and have that last goodbye with their pet. I apologize oh, for it. That's sad. Jeez, that it, is sad. But if you could spin it a certain way, it would be like darkly funny. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm not doing that. Okay. But anyways, yes, they're finally shutting down their system or servers, right? Yeah, sorry, I'm choking on my coffee. Um, yes, they're shutting down the online stuff for the 3DS and the Wii U. To be honest, I thought they had already had done that for the Wii U. I wasn't. So, yeah, I was a little bit too. surprised. I remember somebody a while ago getting mad, as people do on the internet, that they were going to be shutting down like the store of the Wii U. And I guess I just assumed they were shutting down all of it. But maybe it was just the store, but you could still do the online stuff. But now I think it's everything from what I understand. So, um, I mean, if you're still playing your Wii U, man, and you need the online, I mean, more power to you. And if the 3D, I mean, the 3DS to me was the much better system. I had way more games on the 3DS than I ever did for the Wii U. So that is a little bit more, more of a bite to it for me. But still, you know, like the end of an era. And I have to kind of wonder, isn't there some way? I mean, Nintendo's sitting on like literally billions in cash. You can't afford to keep them servers going just a little bit longer, bro. Like, That's true. Like you could like literally run it on a PC. They probably, could they could keep that know? going for basically infinity and it would cost them nothing because they're so fucking rich. So I kind of have to wonder... How much is that really costing you, my man? Well, it, okay, this is actually a quick tangent because I was playing Dragon's Dogma. Remember, I think I talked about last episode or you, the episode yeah, the one before, before that, yeah. And um, and you were like, "Well, are the servers still up?" And the answer is yes. Oh shit, they are. Oh my god, because the whole idea of that game is pawns, right? right? And right. those Central, pawns, very key. I forgot. This is a real quick tangent. I forgot how much pawns are part of that game, and the fact that you, you it's so weird. You have to pick another person's pawn. You can't not, meaning like the pawns, you can make one of your own. Right. But anyone, any of the other ones, 
they're always checking the server to find other players' pawns, and that's who you recruit. And you eventually have what a team of four? Is that right? You can have up to four. I up don't. Four. I, I generally just have three. So it would be like you, live player, your pawn right. that you've created yourself, that and I then created. at least one or two. Yes. Other people's pawns that you recruit in from the server. Yeah. Okay. But they're everywhere. And so to the point of the server talk, like if those servers ever go down, that game's unplayable. Like unplayable. Gosh, I mean, I guess so. Because cause if you would, well, only, would you even be able to even make your own pawn? I don't even know if you could even do that without the server. Yeah, that's, I guess what I'm thinking is because that pawn is supposed to go out and be online as well. Exactly. So it's like fundamentally baked into their game. And so this just brings up that topic we always dance around, which is like, yeah, are games uh, an actual game, almost like Ubisoft said, or are they just this thing, this this other real you know, connection to a server bullshit? Yeah, interesting. But regardless, that means that Dragon's Dogma, as we've celebrated several times, is just so experimental, so ahead of its time, so forward-thinking in so many ways. And that's a good example of it right there. So yeah. speaking of Dragon's Dogma, that was actually a perfect wow, segue. Perfect. You didn't even know you did it, but you did it. That's that's how natural this is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was an article written by Ted Litchfield for PC Gamer, I believe. And he was talking to director of Dragon's Dogma 2, Hideaki Itsuno. And something that I think a lot of people don't realize that you probably know pretty well by now is that there's not really a convenient fast travel system in the first Dragon's Dogma, right? Like you can't just warp around as much as you like. I mean, there is fast travel of a sort, but it's pretty limited. Am I wrong? You're you're 100 right, and I know exactly what you're about to say. But continue. Okay, so he gave this he gave this interview, and people he is reiterating what um, Dragon's Dogma did the last time. So it's not new information to you or me, but I think a lot of people are going to be kind of surprised by this because he's like, I don't want my game to rely on fast travel. And if you think travel is boring, that's not true. It's only an issue because your game is boring. And I had to laugh at that. I love nice. the way that he said that, and I hope that the translator was accurate because that is a pretty pretty good statement. He says. We've put a lot of work into designing a game where you can stumble across someone and something will happen. While it's fine if a game does have fast travel, we decided to design the kind of map where players will make the decision for themselves to travel by bike or on foot in order to enjoy the actual journey. So I think that's exactly true. Now, Carlos, you're playing it right now. I've played it before, but as you're walking around the countryside or whatever, you can't just fast travel. I mean, you if you have a certain item and you can go to a certain place, like it's really super limited, but in general, part of the game is like, Making sure you're ready to make the journey, figuring out which way you're going to go. What are you going to encounter when you're when you're going there? What features are between here and there? And then what might happen if you encounter monsters like that's it's part of like the prep, right? It is. I have a two uh, two part answer. First part that I do like this is the pro is that there is no fast travel. And, you know, I in the beginning, I was like, oh, I forgot there isn't. But then I saw what he was saying, which is that because I had to go travel down this weird crevasse and go over a mountain and all this stuff, I encountered wolves. I, you know, I leveled up. Right. I found some bandits, which I'd never seen before, like even the first time I played the game. And it was a really fun encounter. I found a merchant and bought some really cool stuff off him. And then because it was connecting to the servers, I found this really cool pawn, some right. other person's pawn right. that was like dressed all fancy. And I wouldn't have found any of that if I didn't. If, if I you had fast traveled. traveled, you would have missed yeah. all those little encounters and all that little content stuff. Exactly. That's the pro. The con is what I forgot about Dragon's Dogma, and I think they're probably going to do in the second game, is it's a little bit Elden Ring from Soft, and it's a little bit discombobulating because it's like you think it's an action RPG where you could just go to this place and you know exactly where you're supposed to do next. Mm-hmm. 
but it's almost like they, the developers want you to be a little confused. And I think the con is that I got lost. Like I just didn't know what to do next. Mm. And then sometimes like NPCs, you're supposed to, to like forward progress the, 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 the campaign you're on or whatever, the, the mission you're on. Yeah. They just don't show up for a while. Mm. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not a paint by numbers RPG in any sense of the way. And the fact that like I picked a, a quest I had to do, I had to talk to three people. Two of them were readily available and on my map, my mini map. Uh -huh. The third person doesn't show up on the map mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you just have to walk around till you find them. So like it's, you see what I'm saying? It's a double-edged sword what they're building. Well, here's that's the interesting thing. Now you're, you're, you're entirely correct and I agree with you. And I had that same issue myself when I played it. Mm -hmm. The thing um, about that is the fix for that is supposed to be the pawns themselves, right? Because if you're getting a pawn who is familiar with the area and and someone else has taken the pawn through this and like done the quest or whatever, and then that pawn is uploaded to the server, if you get that pawn, that pawn will pipe up and they'll be like, oh, hey, Carlos, the guy we're looking for is like over here. And they'll tell you exactly where it is if you've yeah. got the right pawn, right? So like a lot of the game, and again, experimental game, it probably didn't work all the time, but it was like such a baller fucking idea is that you get somebody else's pawn who's been there and then they're like your guide for that aspect. And so sharing like sharing knowledge between the recruitable AI pawns was like so fucking crazy and wild. And, you know, it probably needs to polish or something. But like when you got to a place and if it worked fucking amazing where you're like, oh, I'm looking for the Griffin's Nest. I don't quite know where it's at. It's not on the map. And then the pawns like, oh, yo, it's over here. It's behind this ridge and up this tree. Oh, shit. Thank you, pawn. Oh, that's exactly where it is. That's amazing. We got there. And the feeling of like getting this info like firsthand and kind of like going over there and being led to it. It's like so cool when it works. So I think that maybe that's probably the, the goal of it, right? It's ahead of its time. You're right. Yeah. And I think that it didn't work a lot in the original and that's when I would get lost. I think they're obviously improving it in the second I'm one. I'm sure. And they even talked about in another article that they're going to have pawns, certain pawns not like each other. It's like if you do something for one pawn and the other pawn feels jealous, mm. they could get into a fight like over you. That's pretty cool. Um, this is all talk and, you know, we're like bumping up against the AI, AI conversation because what is, you know, complicated NPC behavior, sure, but sure, AI. Sure. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, it becomes a dirty word, but it's weird because we all kind of like, like parts of it already. Um, but that's what you get. Like in the future, you know, your NPCs will be super smart and they will have those answers. Uh, and I do think that like totally makes an RPG a, a different kind of game at that point. So I think the first one, they just, it just didn't work sometimes. And I was like lost, you know, right, right, right. but I appreciate them taking the effort and trying something new. Oh yeah. And I'm so excited to try it in the second one. I mean, that's really dragon's dogma. Number one in a nutshell was like a thousand cool ideas and boy, they all sure didn't work all the time. But like, you know, when, yeah. when, the, when the stars aligned, it was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But yeah, it, it always didn't work. But just to really quickly follow up on the the idea of getting rid of the fast travel, I think it's pretty analogous to something like Elden Ring, where you did have fast travel all the time in Elden Ring. But but also, you and I both know, like as you're walking through Elden Ring, you would always come across some shit. You'd come across a cave, or you'd come across like a dragon, or you'd come across some NPC or something that you wouldn't have seen if you had just fast traveled across or whatever. So I think that same density of content is what they're going for. And I think that's really something admirable to shoot for. So I definitely applaud that for sure. And mm -hmm. for people who are kind of recoiling at that, at that idea, um, they do say there will be uh, other types of, of quote unquote fast travel, but it's not the same. It's not like you're going from point A to point B. You can grab like a, like a monster or a wagon that will take you from point A to point B, but you literally travel that path 
and you're still subject to like monster attacks or like random encounters and stuff. So if you want somebody just to drive you there, you can get that. But it's again, it's not just like boom warp you're there like the you know Star Trek teleporter. It's like you gotta yeah. you gotta still make the journey, but somebody else is driving, which I think is pretty interesting. So yeah, I like it. There we go. I have nothing else in housekeeping. Anything final for you, sir? No, but before we uh, leave that conversation, uh, I will say because I'll talk about this later. But in this episode, I will be talking about Power World. Um, which the internet is all talking about. And in that game, there's something similar to uh, vibes of Elden Ring and, and things like that, even though you wouldn't, might not think that those two would go together. But, I, you know, there is that exploratory um, nature of it mm-hmm. where I'm just like, now that I've kind of get my whole thing, my, you know, my resource ba- building base is all done and I'm kind of like just exploring there is that vibe again. If if I fast travel, I'm not going to see these things, right? You know. But if I just go in this direction, I might find some crazy stuff. So I, I like that. Which is a great. Case. That's a great feeling when that's done well. That's an awesome feeling, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. All right, that is it for housekeeping. Um, we're going to move on to the main portion of the show in a second. But before we do, just want to quickly remind folks you can help support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash the Sobity Games Podcast. Every little bit helps with the cost of hosting, upgrading equipment, and picking up games for the show if we can't get codes. Also, if you chip in at the $5 level, you will be invited to join us, invited by me personally, to join our members-only Discord. However, rest assured, don't cringe. Don't uh, don't get your back up. Don't get those cockles up, folks. You can rest assured that whether you contribute or not, we will never paywall any of the episodes or any content whatsoever. You'll still get the same great show every week, free of charge, because we love you. We only want you to chip in if you want to and if you can. So there's that. Let's get on to the main portion of the show. And Carlos, I have more evidence of us being off our game today. I know. I was just going to say, I didn't tell you what games I'm playing. I have no idea talking about. what we're talking about because we didn't do it before the show because I was too fucking tired and we forgot. So Let's do it right now. We're going like to do on it. The show. We're gonna, no, we'll just, I'm going to trust you. Okay. Uh, just pick your first game or we're going to just roll and we'll just whatever happens happens so what, what I can't I can tell you that I have three games you have three games that'll work out fine you go first pick whatever you want okay so um I'm gonna talk about session session Do you remember session a skateboarding game yeah is this your backlog game um not really I guess it could be considered oh we're supposed to do every week aren't we every week yes it then is yes this is <laughs> because it came out on console on ps5 um just now yeah. I feel like it came out like a while ago last year. We covered it at Game Critics a while ago. I know we covered it a while ago. It came out on Steam a million years ago, but it is officially just whatever it is. Like the fanciest version is out now. Okay. And I know because it was like a demo and I was like, what? This game? A demo? So anyways, I just re-got it on the console. And again, I never played it on my TV. I always played it on Steam on my computer. So I love that, right? Um, if you remember, I talked about it back in the day and I really enjoyed it. Although it's funny cause it's like the very, very early versions, all the physics were like super whack and it just made for funny videos. Right. Which is <clears> weird. Cause my... you would think in a game like that, physics would be like the first thing you want to nail. Right. Well, you know what? Speaking kind of like uh, similar to Dragon's Dogma session was trying a lot of different things when it comes to like, you know, left foot, right foot. Uh, placement on the board, you know, controlling kind things of unconventional control system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Tony Hawk, you know, pro skater. It was like trying to be more realistic, like skate, but even more realistic than that. So there was a lot of growing pains, and it had a you know a really good run on Steam, but to have it on my TV, just awesome. So I thought I'd try it. Right on. Um, so that's the game I'll talk about first, and yeah, I mean, if if you've never tried it, 
it's it's probably the best, like you always say, um, you know, it's the best version of it now. And they're still working on it. Like they're still not done with it. Um, so there's still some like, uh, you can like go into settings and go, I want to try experimental features. And sometimes you don't want to do that because <laughs> I had my body go flying all over the place. But yeah, I think it's just fun that they're still supporting it. There's all these new maps that you can download. Yes, some you have to pay for. Um, well, let me, let me like ask you a question real quick. Dollars because or whatever. I'm not super, super familiar with this. It's kind of just like a very dim spark in the back of my mind because I didn't play it back then. I mean, I edited the review, but that's that's really all I know about it. So refresh me really quickly. Now, I know that they had some kind of weird control. We kind of talked on it briefly here, but like it's a skating game. Is this one of those where it's like an open world, just kind of play it for the vibes and the tricks? Or like, what is the structure of that? And then tell me a little bit more about the controls because I remember something weird being about it, but I don't recall quite like what they were doing with it. Yeah, it's third person. It looks just like Skate, um, which, by the way, the new Skate is in development, and there's videos of that all over TikTok. I'm excited for that, too. But it's like Skate, right? Third person, um, skating around an open world and different maps. And there are, like, campaign-ish kind of things where you, like, go to the skate shop and buy some stuff, right? And go find this weird vendor guy and go do this one thing for this one person, a little bit like Tony Hawk used to do. But so bare bones, like just real basic stuff. More about like getting out there and having fun and trying different features. Um, at least I haven't found like a ton of story parts, but um, you definitely are doing certain things. So if you just like kind of bored and you don't know what you don't know what you want to do, they'll point you in the right direction. Okay. Okay. Um, and then yeah, it's just like left is like left and right. Is it fully left and right foot? It's like right analog stick is to like go down, like crouch. And then left analog stick up is like the trick, but then left up and directional is like a different trick, et cetera. But it's definitely like right analog, left analog. And like getting that dynamic is tricky because it's we're not used to it, some of us, you know? So are Completely. you trying to go like guide the, are you, are you doing like body motions? Like, are you supposed to, is it is it supposed to be like an analog to like how a skater's real body would move in life? Or is it just like kind of gamified where tricks are mapped to certain directions or something like is it more realistic or is it more gamified i guess yeah it's, it's more realistic okay. and so it's like they're trying to make it like if you pull this off and i know it, it just feels better because when you finally do pull something off it feels like you earned it you know you're like holy crap like even the simplest of tricks like my favorite thing to do in skating is like just like basic you know grind something and do a kickflip and then land right like just simple things, not like ollieing and vert and all these crazy things. Like Tony Hawk would go insane. Like it's not physically possible, right? Um, this is just like skate where like, although skate got kind of bonkers, it's actually the most realistic, I think. Okay. Because it's just like, just if you do anything cool, you're like, oh, nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I do, like I do a, a grind to a kickflip uh, to a manual and I'm like blown away. Uh, and that's like normal in Tony Hawk. So gotcha, yeah, realistic gotcha. and just fun and great to relax with. And I'm just so happy to be playing it again. Like it's, it's just a total time consumer too. Like if you just kind of want to zone out, um, I love it. So anybody on console, go check out session. I think it's very, very good. And you said the, like the super deluxe version is on PS5 right now. Yeah. Let me look up because we don't do any homework. Did you get it? Um, like, did you buy it or is it on the, the on the uh, subscription service there? No, I bought it. Okay. Um, Session Xbox. Uh, let's see if it's on there. Session is on Xbox. So it's on both. Okay. There so you go. Check out Session on either one of your platforms. Again, as people say on, the, on YouTube all the time, bar the Switch. 
Because <laughs> the switch. That one guy in Skellop always says that he's like, and it comes out for all platforms. Bar the switch. Yeah. Which is because fine. not every experience is meant for the switch. That's totally yeah. totally fine. All right. Uh, let me talk for a minute about a game called Rising Lords. Um, it came out. I, apparently, it came out on PC like a, a while ago. Uh, I don't keep up with PC trends, and I definitely don't keep up with this genre in general. But it came out for console recently, like maybe a week or two weeks ago, and it just really caught my attention. Now, this is going to sound crazy, Carlos, but uh, I have been kind of craving like a medieval style kind of like sim or like. You know, kind of like dynasty building games, sort of like because people tell me all the time about Crusader Kings three. Right. And like I heard so many fucking stories about Crusader Kings three. I'm like, that sounds fucking dope. I totally want to play that. It finally came to Xbox and I'm like, holy shit, I am not playing this. I, I can't play this. It's like it's too deep. It's too complicated. It's oh, too I remember weird. that game. It's so deep. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. crazy deep. I didn't understand what I was doing. Like it was just like I was drowning and I'm like, oh, no, this is I was so excited for this. And like, I, uh, I want to. I want I want it to play like the stories that people tell me, and yet I, there's no way in the world I was ever going to get there. So that was like disappointing. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been kind of like got my eye out for something that's kind of like that. Um, nothing has really fit the bill. There have been some pretty cool medieval games since then, but not like in the same way. Well, so whatever. That's the thing. That's the thing. I've been that's an ember I've been slowly fanning for a while now. And so this one came out, Rising Lords. I saw a preview trailer and i'm like oh 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 is this is this it is this the thing i'm waiting for let's check it out it's a 2d kind of like an, an empire builder and the art style is really great i love the art style it's like um it looks like illustrated pictures from the medieval period where like some lonely monk in a monastery would have gotten ink all over his hands by drawing these you know these fancy illuminated pictures like it looks yeah, what's really cool that game the game the xbox game it, it looks just like that it does look exactly like that very similar same style like uh there's one that's called Inclinati. No, it's not Inclinati. I know it's what you're the talking one about. That, yeah, it's the one where like you make decisions and it's yes. by the developer we all know. I thought that, that I thought that was going to be one of these games, but I bounced off that one too. I didn't I did not care for that one either. Um whatever that one's called, I forget. Somebody in the audience okay. right now is I'll screaming go. at the podcast going, You idiots, it's called blah 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 blah. Pentiment? Pentiment. Pentiment, that's it. Yeah. Yes. We got there. Thank you me it looks just like that style. yes it looks just like that style the illuminated medieval style so like the graphics in rising lord looks fucking great i love the way it looks it's all kind of like uh everything's really just like an icon because you look at this giant map like you start out with this shitty little kingdom and you have like one little fucking wheat field and you have a couple peasants and a pub or whatever and i'm like oh okay cool like you get to like build this whole thing up and it seems it seems simplified and streamlined which is what i want like i want a good mix between building my own kingdom and having these little like impromptu adventures, but I don't want 84,000 fucking menus. And I don't want to be like nudging these little stats all the time. I want something that's like console eyes where it's like, there is some depth to it, but also I don't need to watch 52, like how to play this game videos. And like, you kind of, you know, like something, something middle of the road, like a little depth, yeah. but also really playable, a couple menus, but also streamlined. That's kind of just like made for people who are not the big brain PC players or whatever. I'm just like a console dude. And I want to have a taste of that, but I don't want the whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I start playing rising Lords. Uh, I get sent a copy from the publisher. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And I start playing 
And the first experience with the tutorial is a separate tutorial you have to choose. And you get into the tutorial, it's great. I love the tutorial. I'm like on board. I'm like, oh, nice. They've thought of everything. Like it's got a little bit of story to kind of take you through it. They walk you through step by step. They don't let you move forward until you do the right thing. If you don't know what they're talking about, a little like arrow or a circle pops up on the screen and they're like, hey, dummy, over here, this thing. And I go, oh, okay, well, cool. Because I didn't know where that was. And I go over there and do that thing. And like I get through the whole tutorial and it ends like a cliffhanger and the cliffhanger begins when you start the campaign. So I'm like, dude, well done. Excellent job, people who made this game. That's great. I love it. So then I start the main campaign and it, of course it like takes a little bit of a dip, right? Because there's a few things they left out of the tutorial. Not a, not a major thing. There's a lot of um, info tips you can look up in a menu. So I start reading through some of those and then you kind of just kind of figure it out as you go. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm like, okay. I'm getting this. This is all right. Like I'm a console guy, but I feel like I can hang. It's not too, it's not too, not too crazy, not too complicated. So I got my little village. And one really interesting aspect of this game is that when you get your starting village, you've got a little like raggedy castle, a couple tired looking villagers, and you kind of like adjust like, you know, hey, I'm going to put you in the wheat field. You're going to do some wheat. I'm going to put you over by the sheep. You do the sheep. Pretty like straightforward, easy to understand, right? But the thing is that the developers, I did a little bit of reading on this and the developers are like, we didn't want this to be like like a min-maxing game. I mean, it kind of is, but not in the sense of like, I'm going to turn half of the countryside into wheat fields. And I'm going to do like max wheat production and I'm going to sell it off and I'm going to get like a thousand nights and then I'm going to like, you know, like they don't want you to do that. They mm. wanted you to kind of take a little bit more realistic approach where not every kingdom is equal. And it's kind of interesting because when you start off, you've got literally one sheep pasture and one wheat field. And for a while I was like, how do I get another wheat field? I need some more wheat up in this bitch. And they're like, no, you can't. You don't have any other land that is suitable for wheat farming. That's all you get. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting and strange and a new challenge. And I think I kind of like that. It's interesting because that's kind of simulating like what it might be in real life. Like if you end up with this little kingdom where it's on the side of a hill or if it's like swampy or something, you can only do what you can do and you can't just make everything the way that you want it because that's, you know, I guess one step too far as far as the realism for this game goes. So it was right. cool. It's not like just everything's boxes. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. You can't just like do whatever you want with the whole kingdom. You got to like respect like the topography of the land and, and nature's rules and stuff. So interesting and very cool. Like, I dig it. I dig it. So I start playing the game. I'm, I'm learning as I go. I mess up once. So I like go back to the beginning, start over and I do much better the second time. I'm like, okay, good, good, good. This is fine. Um, and the thing that I really like about this, and I think the thing that almost really got me in was that it's not just a simulation because when you get to the battles, it becomes turn-based strategy. And I'm like, oh, nice. I love turn-based strategy. Great. So you have all your little icons. You've got your peasants with their sticks. You've got archers. You've got spearmen. You've got your knights, uh, infantrymen, like whatever. And so everybody uh, is on a map and you kind of just move them around. There's all, there's the scissor beats rock beats paper thing where like, you know, the archers mm. are, are better against the foot people and the people with spears are better against the pet. You know, whatever you get, it. you get how this works. So anyway, I start doing this. And I'm like, Oh, nice. Okay. I dig this. This is good. Combat is good. I like this. I see how it works. This is all great. There's a little skill tree for your Lord. You get little, little bonuses you can use. There's a little card based system that gives you buffs. I'm like, all right, this is dope, dude. I'm, I'm liking this. I'm liking this good. And then I, I keep playing. I get to the second battle, second battle of the game. There's a huge butt coming. There is a huge. <laughs> Good lord. And Carlos, you believe me, brother. I like them big. Okay, I do like them. I big. know. I'm just. I saying, like them big, but this one, too big even for me. It's gonna. It's it's so big that you can't deny it. Oh man. And it's that's okay. You're you're getting me off on a wrong tangent. We're not going to go down that road right now. Okay. Go Sorry. Ahead. Got me distracted for a second. But um. So we get to the second battle of the game. Literally the second battle of the game. It's like turn sixteen. Um, and if you know anything about strategy games, that's like nothing. That's like an eye blink in how long this game is going to go on, right? So I go to this battle, 
It's like the guy in the kingdom next to me slapped me with his glove and he's like, sir, I challenge you to a duel. And you, you can't say no. It's part of the story. So I go over there. The guy fucking wipes the floor with me. He slaughters my entire army. No problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got fucking steamrolled. What the hell? It wasn't even close. I'm like, OK, maybe my strategy is weak. Maybe I maybe I brought too many archers. Maybe I didn't bring enough horsemen. Maybe. OK, I'll go back and I'll, I'll try this again. I go back again. Fucking destroys me like oh, not boy. even close not even i didn't have a chance dude i'm like what the fuck is going on so i go back and try it again i end up trying it six seven eight times i make no progress and in fact i make even less progress because i'm trying different things right i'm like okay well maybe maybe i got to do an end run around and maybe i got to go straight for his base nope they left my base open killed me real quick maybe i got to go straight for the ruler nope he's protected by too many guys maybe i got to send my pikemen one way and my foot soldiers nope and they just like took me out on both sides I can't figure it out, dude. And I'm such a good, uh, okay, not like I'm a tactics pro or anything, but I am experienced at tactics games. I'm not a noob. Oh, yeah. So it's like I know how to play these games. And I'm like, I'm getting just fucking just annihilated. And so I look up some information online and I can't find anybody to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I go to like like uh, Reddit. I go to Steam. I go to like whatever. And I'm looking at YouTube videos. I watch a bunch of YouTube videos and I don't see what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so I go to the PR person and I'm like, hey, bro, like I'm trying to play your game for podcast. I can't get past the second battle. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm stupid. Like, will you please give me some info? And the dude, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to fix me. So he doesn't have any information. Um, he gave me like a couple tips from the developer, but it was like just real basic ass shit. It was like nothing that was about this. Get good. Battle. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like get good, but it was just basically like recruit people to your army and equip swords. I'm like, yeah, man, I got all that, dude. I got that. Like, yeah. I just can't figure out the battle. <clears throat> so I didn't get past it. I didn't get past it. I did a little bit more searching. And one of the very last things I found was this random note from one of the developers talking to somebody on this other board that I didn't go to. And he's like, don't even worry about that battle because there's supposed to be some backup that shows up and they, they help you win the battle. I'm like, oh, really? Because that person or that army or whoever never. Sh- I mean, I, I lost eight at least eight times, if not more than eight times in this battle. No one ever showed up to save me. No reinforcements. Nothing happened. So either either there's something broken about this battle where the reinforcements aren't showing up, or I'm just horrifically bad at turn-based games and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's not it. So it's probably the first thing. I have to think that maybe there's a bug or something. But again, the, the developers didn't get back to me. PR didn't get back to me. I wasn't able to make any progress. And after that point, I'm like, I wasted like an entire day on this one battle on turn 16, which is like nothing. Yeah. So I ended up just deleting it. But it's a shame because I was really liking it, dude. I liked the art, like the concept. I think it hit a good middle ground. I like the turn-based battles. When I when I won the first one, I felt good. Um, so it's just a real shame. I hope that they fix it or maybe somebody will eventually get back to me or something. I've kind of given up on it. But if anybody listening has played Rising Lords and you can get past the second battle on turn 16, please email me and let me know because I kind of would like to keep playing this game. Yeah, it looks like you'd like it. I think I would actually like it too. I like the style. I think it's a bug. I mean, listen, your middle name is Bug or Glitch. It totally is, dude. It totally is. And so I just feel like that's what it is, especially if someone said, like, somebody's supposed to show up and it's a second battle and you're getting wiped. That's what it feels like to me. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I have to agree. Put it on pause. Wait for someone to get back to you or check it out on YouTube somewhere. It'll probably show up, but I bet you that's what it is. It still sounds like a W. As, as, As far as a win, you mean? Yeah, like a good game yeah i mean i was i was down i was good really liking yeah. it so far it's just like i don't i don't know what happened so anybody developers if you're hearing this please get in touch with me pr people if you're hearing it get in touch with me anybody who knows to get past this turn 16 battle 
please let me know because I would love to go back to this game. So check it out. Check it out. All right, Carlos, over to you. What is your second surprise game of the show? Well, I have um, a small one real quick. So do you have how many more do you have? I have two. And one of them is very small. Well, let me just do it really, really quick one because I want to give this a shout out. It's also a kind of a tangent. So um, I've been watching, I've for a long time been watching videos on liminal spaces. Do you know about liminal spaces? We talked about them on the show. You mean the inside of those long cars? Oh, my goodness gracious. You know about liminal spaces, right? <laughs> Fuck. That sounded like you said limo spaces, and I'm like, oh, bar. liminal, liminal, liminal I got spaces. You. I'm just fucking with you. Yes, I know about liminal spaces. You know about the whole thing, right? Yes. It's a phenomena. Obviously, like um, the back rooms came out of that, but they really kind of, I think, ruined it. And well, for people it. who don't know, what are liminal spaces, Carlos? So liminal spaces are, and they're, you know, just Google it, but they're images or videos or a lot of it started as images that are just unsettling images. Uh, most of the time, it's or almost all the time, it's an image of some empty space where there's no people, it's maybe slightly dark, it's kind of awkward and weird, and it just makes you feel this kind of creepy feeling. I'm just in love with this concept and these pictures, and I, I have been for a long time. Uh, and at some point, uh, Kane Pixels made this game called Backrooms, and it was about these kind of like really weird office spaces that felt creepy, uh, you know, those terrible lights. and But then he made it a scary game so like at some point there's a monster and then a lot of people copied that idea for liminal spaces to make a more just about a creepy thing right yeah like it's like hallways that go on forever or like my son plays one where it's like the infinite um u-haul storage facility where it's just like like storage locker after storage locker for as far as oh I can that's see, cool that kind yeah. of stuff so like it's like i don't know that there's necessarily a supernatural element but i think frequently there is where it just seems like this impossible space where it's just like weird and empty and creepy, like you said, yeah. Well, there doesn't have to be. It's, right, it's like right, right. It, it kind of started, yeah, it started with backrooms. And before that, it was really just about that unsettling feeling. Right. I watched many videos, I won't go into it fully, about the actual like, you know, mindset and uh, understanding of why we as humans are freaked out by those kind of images. Because uh, they're scary, it's simple. They're scary. Well, no, it's actually much deeper than that. But yes, that's part of it. But it's also about, and I will just take this real quick second. It's also about like our confusion as humans about the infinite. And if you just process like living forever or just process, try to process dying, like in the actual, like what would I feel like when those two things happened, you know, dying or living forever, it doesn't compute in our human brains. And then that's similar to like a place that goes on forever. Like if you're just in a huge supermarket and it never ends, that's weird, right? Cause and that's why it's creepy to us because we just don't get that. You know, we understand finality and and whatever. So I'm fascinated by that whole thing, and I highly recommend people research it if you don't know about it. Um, not necessarily the backrooms because I think that's kind of one dimensional at this point, but liminal spaces. I say all that because in one of the videos I was watching, um, there are tons of games now that kind of try to do that. Oh, it's a whole genre, yeah. Yeah, but. This one was cool. It's a pay what you want game. So it's free slash pay the developer money. Okay. I, of course, gave them money. Um, and it's called 2.22 AM. And it's just very simply like an experience. It kind of reminds me of LSD uh, Simulator. Is that the name of the game? Uh, if you say so, I do, I not, believe I do so. not know that one. Uh, it was a PS1 game I talked about on the show a long time ago. There's certain games that are just more experiences. And if it's done right, it can be really cool. It's like you go and have an experience, almost like a VR game uh, sometimes. But so that's what this is. It's like, it's got that VHS look. It's 
four by three, you load it up and it just takes you through moments. Some of the moments are just watching something like weird liminal space feeling, you know, or uh, just really unusual things. And then you actually walk through environments and you're just walking through like this really weird city at night. And it's all very, you know, simple graphics. And it just is to give you a feeling of something. And then it goes to another experience, you know, like WarioWare of liminal spaces. It's little bite-sized vibes, but spooky, I guess. Yeah. So I thought I'd just give it a shout out. 2.22 AM. You can go pay what you want or just download it for free. Um, Throw the developer like a dollar or something. And yeah, I just think I like more experiences like that when they're done well. And of course, this is like right up my alley because I want to, you know, have more of those experiences in liminal spaces. But I just thought I'd give it a shout out. 2.22 a.m. Right on. Right on. Sounds interesting. I'll mention that to my son. Uh, He is very into the liminal spaces thing. Uh, He and his friends uh, play a lot of those. There's a million of them on Roblox, actually. I don't know if you know that. But, like, like there's, like, 84,000 liminal space games on Roblox. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, dude. And, like, that's just, like, a huge thing with the kids kids these days, you know? Well, and that's what's weird is, like, I'm not – everybody can like what they like. But, yeah, the original (laughs) idea of that and – um, what I'm just fascinated with is really more just like under it's like an inner understanding of humans and existence um, if, if you do it right and a lot of it is like co-opted is that the right word to be like a cool space where you could do a game in right. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not really like the the heart of what that is um, and it's fine if it like brought, brought up new ideas for people to make games in but yeah, the original and some of the cool images that you could still find are about like this, yeah, connection to like what is, what is life, what is um, infinity, and 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 how do we process that kind of stuff? What is love? What is love got to do with it? No, that's another <laughs> baby. Song. Don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt. Me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby's got back. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Two twenty-two a.m. Uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a cheat pass this week for my. Uh, for my backlog, I just full disclosure, what? folks. No, I mean, I, I'll still bring something, but it's not really like I realize that I am pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable this week. But okay, okay. reason being is just like this has been an incredibly rough week in terms of like like real life work. Um, as I've said before on the show many times, like, you know, game critics and, and so many games doesn't pay the bills. It's just something we do because we love it because it's fun. But, you know, I do have a, a, a job, a gig that I do uh, to help pay the bills. My wife has a gig as well. She has a job. So we do a lot of stuff as needed. And my work is kind of on call. And this week it was like hella on call. I was just like really, really slammed. So I barely had any mental bandwidth to cover the games that I did cover. And I got to the end of the week and I'm like, man. I don't have any space left in my brain to like dip into my backlog and give something a decent shot. And I didn't want to just like play something for five seconds just to say that I played it and then fuck off and delete it or whatever. You know, I wanted to, if we're going to do the backlog thing, I'm going to do it right. So I didn't want to just burn through one unnecessarily. So okay, <clears throat> my cheat is just, I just went back to a game that is in my current backlog and I've talked about it a million times. We can just bounce on it real quick, but rogue trader, I'm still playing rogue trader. Uh, Warhammer 40k and it's just like it's really really good I know I've talked it to death a little bit but I did put some time into it and I'm going to count this as my backlog this week and I really want people to give this a shot I know that Baldur's Gate 3 kind of stole its lunch and you know for rightfully so I mean everybody says Baldur's Gate 3 is great I think there's a lot of parallels there but there are so many cool moments in Rogue Trader I'm just really really enjoying it a lot uh, especially as one who's like you know somewhat familiar with the 40k universe um, a couple of funny moments is like I don't know if people know this but like 
one of the answers whenever you do anything in 40k uh, is usually is always like kill it like no matter what your situation is no matter what you're up against somebody can ask you a question it could literally be like hey sir i need um five dollars for uh food because i'm starving i'm a peasant would you mind helping me out and the first answer might be here's five dollars the second answer might be you should get a job third answer is always i'm gonna kill you like it's mm-hmm. always uh like this really fatalistic like really dark kind of it's like so dark that it's ridiculous where you can kill like basically everything Anytime anybody in your party, like your main party, anytime you talk to them, the last option is always, I'm going to kill you right now. Like every single time, even for people who are like your 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 hardcore bro PCs, right? Or NPCs, I mean. So I think that's really kind of funny. Um, and I, I, I have to laugh because if I didn't laugh, I would think it was psychotic and it kind of is psychotic. But it's interesting to play an RPG where literally the answer to everything could potentially be kill it because you can choose that as much as you want to. Um, Interesting. And if you do end up killing everybody in your party, you can just recruit more people. So there is no limit, but you will, of course, cut yourself off from the storylines. But the other thing that I didn't expect out of this game is that there are romances. I got to say, I never expected to have a romance in this game because 40K is not really about romance ever, ever, ever. You kill people, you've got big armor, you've got big guns, lots of monsters, and uh, there's no room for romance. But in this particular game, they made room. There's actually a couple different. Um, romantic options so far. And I believe they are LGBTQ friendly. I think that if you're a guy, you can romance either a guy or girl. And I'm playing a female character and I believe you can romance both the male and female character, which is cool. That's actually pretty progressive for a 40K game. I'm kind of surprised by that. But even more surprising is like some of the humor they managed to work into this game. So for example, not to be a huge spoiler, but I decided to romance uh, this uh, pirate lady that I met. And she's like a little more uh less less dogmatic than most people like you've got people who are like death to the heretics you long live the emperor like you've got your hardcore you know people like that but then there's some people who are like yeah i like money better and yeah the emperor's cool and i worship him but also i wouldn't mind making a little money on the side you got some people kind of blurring the line a little bit right and so Mm -hmm. this person i romance is is one of those line blurring people where definitely not a traitor but also maybe doesn't read into those rules as as firmly as some people might want her to so we start romancing things go back to the bedroom, which again, I was surprised by, I, w- I thought it would, we would have like a, a hearty handshake and that would be the end of it. Cause it's, fucking, hearty it's like 40 K dude. You don't do romance. You don't get naked in 40 K that's not a thing, but yeah. they did. So we go back to the bedroom and uh, we do the deed. We come back to the ship and I get to my main bridge. Cause I'm like the Supreme ruler of the ship, right? I get to the ship and everybody is like looking the other way. Everybody's like, no one wants to talk to me. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on? What? And I go to my communications master and I'm like, what's going on? How come everyone's acting acting weird? And they're like, oh, you don't know? And then you're like, what? And they're like, "Uh, yeah, your communicator was on. And they're like, what? Nice. (laughs) You ended up broadcasting your entire lovemaking session to like all like 50,000 people that were on your ship from like the top of the deck to all the way in the boiler rooms and like literally everybody in the ship heard you guys doing the nasty (laughs) it was just hilarious it was just a really much needed moment of comedy pure comedy um for a game that is usually so po-faced and serious and just like grimdark and death so i really again I, i know i've been banging the drum for this game for a long time and i I didn't mean to bring it back this week, but number one, I was too busy for a new game. But also, I do really, really appreciate the spin that these guys, Owlcat Games, have done just a phenomenal job. And I feel like it's just criminal that I, in, in any other year, people would be talking about this game. But because Baldur's Gate 3 came through, I feel like it just got drowned, man. It just got steamrolled. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, shout out again, constant cheerleading for uh, Rogue Trader, Warhammer 40K. Well, yeah, you got to play. I was, I was going to say, they're obviously doing something well uh, right because... They keep making Warhammer games. 
They do. They do. Right. They're they're not like going under. We talked just talk about we started this whole show with layoffs and like they're still they're still there making these games. So Yeah. I mean Games Workshop owns the license. Each individual game is by a different studio though. Like they that's true. they slept that true. license out to a lot of people. And honestly, I think I've said this before, but if you pick a Warhammer 40 game, you've got about a 50-50 shot of it being good or being crap. Like they they're pretty loosey-goosey with the license. They'll license to anybody. Yeah. And in this particular case, I think they did a great job because Alcat did marvelous with this. Um, All right. But, you know, anyway, hopefully Owlcat is seeing some profit. Hopefully people are playing this. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't played Baldur's Gate 3 and you're not burned out on that style of game, please give it a shot. I think it definitely is worthy of your time, especially if you are a 40K fan. So and just make sure to turn off your communicator if oh you are going to have sex. That was so fucking funny, dude. I loved it. That's awesome. Loved it. All right. Carlos, over to you. What is your final game of the show? Final? No, I got two more. Oh, you got two more. Okay. What is your next but- game of the show? I'll do the big one, and then I'll just kind of like do a little bit, uh, a, sh- a short one at the end. Sounds perfect. It's an interesting combination. But I got to talk about Pal World. Pal World. Everyone's talking about Pal World. But before we start, this was in my comments because I've been making poor TikToks of it. Um, so I guess because I'm East Coast or just how I am, I say it wrong. Um, so when I say Pal World, it sounds... People say I sound like I'm saying pale world, like P-A-I-L. Oh, say it, say it right now. So if I'm saying it without thinking about it, pale world. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. See? Yep. You got that accent I, on you. It's an accent, I guess. So, but see, you say it. Pale world. It's like you, it's almost like you, fo- like people who say it in quotes the right way, it's almost like you're doing a strong effort to say <laughs> Pal, like you have to really focus on the L. No, you've definitely got that lilt on your A's, dude. You've always had that though. Pal, say it again. Pal world. I don't know how to talk like that. <laughs> I'm serious, because like the number two comment on my all my videos were like, "Is he saying pal?" And I was like, "Fuck, that's how I say it." Uh, and of course, like the sixth comment was also, "Does he saying pal?" Because uh, are these comments all from the West Coast? Like you must have the East Coast people saying, "No, nah, I'm saying it right." What's wrong with you guys? Right? No one supported. No one supported in the comments. <laughs> no one supported. No you. one has supported me. <laughs> Anyways, so the game which I will consider, I'll just continually refer to as Pale World. Sorry, that's how I talk. Are you saying Pale World? You fucker. <laughs> so it's the biggest game in the world. The the you probably already know about it. Um, you know the stupid tagline, and I'm gonna really say a, a bunch of things about it. But the first thing is people call it. You know, and it's a good marketing line, but they call it Pokemon with guns. Yes. Just because there are guns in the game. But me have playing having played it for I think forty hours or something now, something crazy. That's a lot of that's a lot of hours. Yeah. Um it's not that. I mean, there are guns in the game, but you can play this game. It's a survival game. Okay. It's not a Pokemon game. It's not a turn based battles Pokemon game. There are creatures in the game. I'll get into the actual game. But this key component is the, the marketing is just to get people in the door, right. and it worked, I guess, obviously. But you don't make guns for a very long time because this is a survival <laughs> game, right? It's a crafting game. Yes. You know, we played Valheim. We play all these games. It takes forever to fucking get wood and stone and bullshit to make metal. So, it's, anyway, no, it's, it's funny just, you say that. It's funny you say that because I have a funny anecdote. I did not play this game. I don't care about this game. But it did come to Game Pass. And my son remembered this game from a trailer last year. If for whatever reason it's stuck in his memory, he's like, oh my God, Pokemon with guns, I want to play that. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, snap, kid, it's coming to Game Pass. And he was hyped, dude. He was like very excited. 
And he has played other crafting games like this, like Ark. He he compares it to Ark Survival is what he compares it to. And yeah, I think that's 100%. a that's a good comparison. So he jumped in as soon as it came to Game Pass. And within five minutes of him playing it, he's like, this game's bullshit. And I go, what? What's going on? He's like, look at this. And he, he called me over to his computer. And it's like, he showed me the skill tree. He's like, look, guns is like 752 lines down on the skill tree. He's like, there's it's no- like 18 lines down. Like, well, yeah, it's, like, it's really, yeah. point being, it's really far. He's like, oh my yeah. God, hey, look at a lot of this stuff. I got to get through all this stuff to get the guns. He's like, fuck this. And I'm like, I had to laugh a little bit because neither one of us were really expecting it to be like an arc crafting survival open world sort of thing. We really did think it was going to be Pokemon with guns right off the bat. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was enough to pop his bubble. But I know a lot of people are really enjoying it. But I but I do agree. Guns comes way later than than you think it should. Yeah, it's important to mention that in the beginning of this because, yeah, maybe people don't know that. Um, like you mentioned, it's on Game Pass. That's how I'm playing it right now. But um if you haven't heard the numbers are ridiculous they're groundbreaking numbers um i think in the first week it's it's now at nine million sold and it was like which, at six million when i checked it a couple of days ago so that, yeah. that's really fast growth yeah so nine million plus times thirty dollars is very good well not, um, is, is that not counting the game pass numbers or it is counting that's not pass. counting the game pass numbers. wow that's motherfucking so that's steam on oh, wow okay that is yeah, really impressive and yeah. check this out here uh number one i think of all time besides PUBG of concurrent players, the concurrent number right now is 2 million. That's two ridiculous. 2 million concurrent. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm one of them. Okay, so that's the craziness of it. It took off, obviously, uh, and I have so much to say, but I'll try to, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll talk about it next week too, but those numbers aren't just because it's Pokemon with guns, right? Like the marketing was there. It got people in the door. People do want something else from a Pokemon game, so that's another part of this where you know, what was it, Sapphire and whatever the last Pokemon games came out, kind of broken. Sure. Oh, yeah, And that's people right. were kind that's of right. upset about that, yeah. And, you know, uh, um, I'm jumping around a lot, but competition breeds creativity. And if, you know, game freaks who make Pokemon just make the same game forever and there's no competition, they don't need to change it, right? They right. just make a broken game every time or whatever, just an okay iteration. So that's kind of got a lot of people in the door because I think, a, the trailer and the marketing with the guns. B, people were tired of Pokemon, you know, Game Freak's Pokemon. The traditional kind of. formula, yeah. 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 And then C is the most important piece, is that Pocket Pair, the developers of this game, made just a really addictive crafting game, like a survival game. And that's really what's keeping people. Like, you don't keep 200, 2 million concurrents by it just being Pokemon who shoot guns. And me having played it for 40 hours... It's an insanely addictive survival game that your son isn't seeing. And, and believe me, I'm not a survival game person, but it does take a little bit of time uh, to kind of find the weirdness of this game. Mm -hmm. uh, meaning like the first base you make might be a little boring because you're doing the wood stone bullshit that happens in survival games. But the, the minute you find Depressio, which is one of the weird pals. Did you say Depressio? Yeah, Depressio. He's just depressed. And so when you bring him back to the base, he's like apathetically mining and like looks really sad. And like that, you go, oh, this game isn't, this game's weird, right? So wait, you said he's mining. So are, are these Pokemon-ish creatures, do they do the grunt work for you? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. So okay. that's the other piece of this puzzle is like, you know, um, and we'll talk about this when I talk about the next game uh, before we're done, is that a lot of crafting games, Rust, survival games, Ark, where you go out and you've got to do everything and it takes forever, you know? And like, I remember Valheim, I'm like, unless I'm playing with friends, it's going to take forever. 
So what's cool about this game is, yeah, those pals that you find, they're immediately available to do work for you. And again, they have some sort of, you know, NPC behavior that they know if you get a fire pal and you have a furnace at your base, it's going to go light the furnace by itself. Right. And I even have like torches in all my houses. Um, and you know, they're off by default, but as the minute I put him down in the base, he runs around and turns all the lights on. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And it's like adorable. And so that, that is stage one of like why it's different because these pals are not just like to battle other pals and be the best. It's like, they're just doing weird shit. And it's broken and buggy, you know, because this is like alpha, alpha. Yeah. And so like this huge, like, uh, you know, deer creature, like found its way on top of the roof and he just took a nap up there. And I'm like, why are you up there? Because his, you know, pathing was like fucked up or whatever. Uh, Gotcha. Um, So all that stuff happens. And that is my biggest part four of this and why it's successful. So that was three parts I think I brought you through why this is successful. The fourth part is, we talked about this on the show, Craftopia is the same developers. So developers, Pocket Pair, made Craftopia. Okay. And you remember that game, I brought it to the show. That game was a survival game, but it was weird as fuck. Like, I rode on a seagull, um, I made a stairway to heaven, like, weird shit happened in that game. And it was the same thing. Like I could make a base of cows and the cows did all my work for me. Right. And it was like a factory of cows. And I was like, what am I playing? Um, do you not remember? I remember literally show? none of that. Okay. But I, I believe it. you. It's weird. So what I, it's so crazy when people like talk about this game and they don't know about Craftopia. I'm like, no, no, no. It's the same game. Right. It's the same game. The only thing is they add these pals. Pokemon. And. And, and some guns later down the road. And there's missile launchers and things like that. But yeah, I just think that why this game is successful is because it is that mashup of genres. It's it's also right place, right time. People are like upset about Pokemon and they want something different. But when you do the actual gameplay, it's you have a character, you make a character creator, uh, third person, you run around a world, you do survival stuff, you bring out your pals with you up to four in your little party, you can throw them out like a Pokemon, but then they'll fight and you can fight alongside it, but it's all real time, right? So there's not turn-based Pokemon. Right, battles. they just go at it, yeah. They just go at it. And if you build a saddle for some of them, you can ride them, and when you ride them, you can control their abilities. Okay, so it's like a big like mount for you and you do their, their attacks yes, or whatever. Yes, then you do your attacks. And I'm on this like, you know, deer creature and we're doing like, you know, I'm ramming the enemies and I jump off the... Th- the creature and then it fights by itself it's fun as shit like it's like broken and fun like my current party is just two cats they're like regular ass cats but they're super powered and they have like laser beams that come out of their eyes and stuff and i just i'm just running along with cats like killing things um and then the elder ring thing i alluded to is that this map is massive similar to elder ring where it opens up right like you can't get to certain areas because it's too cold and you'll just die. But after a while you build armor that cause you know, cold resistant or whatever. And now you're in this place you've never seen before and the map opens up further. So it's hard to explain, but it is a mashup of genres. It is also a very simple crafting game cause I get totally turned off by crafting games. Cause I, again, I've got to do so much work and I'm just, I'd rather play anything else. But it, the, the pals are helping you 
right? They're back at the base making ore and fucking wood and stuff. And you're just going exploring. And I just feel like they really found the sweet spot. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, I mean, that sounds interesting because I also kind of bounce off of crafting games and I don't enjoy that grind. I kind of like the idea of like building a homestead or like, you know, slowly, um, you know, building a farm or something, which is great, but I don't think I like the doing the, you know, same plant your seeds and harvest your cabbage and do the same thing like over and over and over. I don't think that clicks with me, but automating it, like farming it out to your pals is kind of a cool idea. It reminds me a little bit of, um, graveyard keeper because in that game you're not just tending a graveyard you've got like a whole world and like all the stuff you're doing you can eventually get like an inn and you got a farm and you got all this other stuff and uh, one of the dlcs added a bunch of zombies and you can resurrect the zombies from your graveyard and they do all the grunt work for you they mm-hmm. mine the coal and they chop the wood and they tend the garden so like once you set them up you just let them go and that's it and that's kind of w- one thing i really liked about it and that's what it sounds like it's doing here is taking some of the the busy work out of it if you don't want to do the busy work yourself yeah, and there's like that one indie game. I forgot what it is where you're just building like contraptions. That's a super successful indie game where it's like kind of Terraria in a way. But anyways, that that happens in games, and I just feel like I haven't seen it in a third-person survival game much. So there's a lot of secret sauces that I just put out there, right? I think it's it's all that kind of lucky timing, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot of things came together for this game. And then on top of that, uh, another thing that you probably didn't check out, but um, the developers, you know, some of them went on an interview and they basically like were super, you know, forthright, uh, just like, hey, we wanted to make a fun game and we know that people like Pokemon and we know that people like, because they're in Japan, they're like Americans like guns. They straight up said that. And they're like, we just thought we'd put everything together and people might like it. I mean, that makes complete fucking sense to me. Yeah, they weren't, but they weren't like, yeah, it's not like they were trying to pull the wool over people's eyes or they're like trick anybody. They're like, we just want to make something fun that people actually enjoy. We don't, we're not a huge team and we're just going to fucking make this weird thing that's a, an amalgamation of a bunch of stuff. Um, but that being said, and I can't trust this enough, they have experience of making a game like this with Craftopia that is this game. And I think that's what separates it from, you know, just making it about pokemon because it's weird it's weird times like 11 here's another example of weirdness and i'll say one more thing and be done for this episode but like uh one of my viral videos is um in order to make a hot tub i and i found this out like while i was playing i had to kill certain pals to get their fluid nice (laughs) it said kill pals for pal fluid and so as I was killing these like squirtles, basically look like, you know, little water Pokemon. Um, I was like, sorry, it's for a hot tub. <laughs> sorry, gotta I gotta do kill it. you. Gotta do gotta. it. And then I put another pal in the hot tub with the pal fluids, you know, made of from the pals. Did they say something? And then, no, it was very relaxed. Oh, I thought you were going to be <laughs> like, like, oh my God, this is a horror show. Right, right, right. No, but the point is it didn't care. It was like, this is nice. <laughs> You know, I, thank you for making this for me. And I was like, that's made from pale tears. You uh, know, I mean, I guess it makes sense because, you know, I've got dogs and like if you we also have like some some pelts from animals like nobody sent me a hate mail or anything. But like, you know, we, we got these pelts uh, from like rabbits and from deer and stuff uh, from friends at hunt. And like when you throw those down, the dogs just like sit down on them and they think they're super comfortable and they roll around and it's a nice little bed oh, for a dog. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's the same thing. Like, you know, certain animals don't give a shit if other animals die. Right. They don't. And uh, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do You got to be comfortable. And it, it makes perfect sense. You would need a hot tub. And if that squirrel's got to die so you can squeeze out his fluids, then I guess that's what's got to go down. 
Oh, it did. It, it went down. Um, and I would say that, yeah, I just think that the weirdness like that, <clears throat> the fact that they built survival game that is relaxing and chill, where you don't have to like always be worried about shit is the, the main reasons why it's successful. Yeah. And uh, the Pokemon thing is just part of it. The last thing I'll say is the other controversy. There's many controversies. Um, one of them is people were saying, oh, it's just the actual models of Pokemon, and they kind of just ripped them or whatever. Uh, someone on Twitter, of course, in this, this age of information bullshit, uh, just posted these you know side-by-side images and said, look, it's the same model. Later on, uh, a week later, they came out and said they lied. And it they was actually a different model. Yeah, they, well, they modified it. Oh, gotcha. To make their fucking point. Basically, they were like Pokemon fans mad. Of and course. so it's like, wow, that's, you know. Pretty shitty. Gotta, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, shitty. pretty shitty. And then the other one is like people are talking about them using AI in their game. Like, uh, newsflash people, AI has been in video games. Um, and on top of that, if you use AI for something to create like a model, you still have to fucking make the game. I can't stress this enough, okay? And we can maybe take different stances on this. I don't know. Um, but I'm just here to say anybody making that argument, that's a non-argument in my opinion, because whatever you use AI for, I know because I use it like I'm on the ground floor using it. It doesn't make your fucking game for you. Sure. You've got to yeah. go in Unreal, you know, which they yeah. use. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds ridiculous. I mean, I you know, you know me, I'm not pro AI in any way, but even that to me is dumb because games have tons of AI. It just depends on what you mean by AI. What does it do? What are you using it for? It's not like you're just like, you go to like chat GPT and go make me a Pokemon game. And right, this game exactly. comes out, give me a fucking break. Get out of here. Right. I, I just what I feel like that's what it gets skewed toward, you yeah. know, online. Yeah. So anyways, even if they were using something to help them, more power to them. If they just, anybody listening to my words, go check out the word, uh, word Craftopia on YouTube. You'll see it's the same game. So there's nothing different happening here. They just wanted to make something that, you know, people might yeah. enjoy. They took so. something that they already created. They took their existing structure, yes. changed things around to make it more appealing to the market they were shooting for, and they were very successful. Yep, that's it. Yep. So go. bonkers, you'll see more videos from me on Close to the Ground. Um, I really, really like it. I have a sneaking suspicion I will get bored at some point. Sure. Um, but I think what's keeping me into it for the longest review ever is – it is. Um, it does have that really cool discoverability, because you're like, what's out there? And weird shit's out there. Like, by the way, you can you can capture humans too. Oh, that's I funny. Do they that. have to go back and work for you when you bring them back? To yeah. Your base? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got I got them working. There's this one guy. Oh, he's, he, this one guy's called Cowardly Victim, and he's just super sad. And I was like, well, you're coming with me because you're not going to make it out here on your own. So I brought him back to the base, and he helps me craft now. And I do like different things oh my gosh i bet modders are gonna have a field day with this game dude yeah well they don't have to i mean you can but like i like what they built you know oh sure but you know there's well I'm not, we don't need to go there yeah yeah i know what they you can. don't need to go there we're not gonna go there that's fine it's amazing you can also incubate eggs and get dragons and just so much weird shit man i think it's a really good example of an indie weirdness and of course pokemon's gonna probably try to sue them at some point but all they have to do is change the models a little bit uh, and by the way, fuck you, Pokemon Company, because um, uh, Depressio, yeah, you didn't come up with that, motherfuckers. <laughs> Depressio is the best Pokemon I've ever seen in my life. Uh, all right. Well, I'll have to look him. I'll Google Depressio and see what he looks like. So. Oh, my gosh. He's amazing. All right. That's it for now. That I'll is stop Pal talking. World. You're playing it on Game Pass? It's Pale World. 
Are you saying I'm Pale World? Game Pass. Yes, it's Pale World. Uh, game Pass, and uh, I love it. All right, right on. Um, only one more game for me this episode, but it's kind of a good one. It's kind of a good one. I'm glad to be able to end on a high note this week. Okay. Uh, this game is called Lil Guardsman, and it sounds like I'm saying Little Guardsman, but it's Lil, L-I-L. Are you saying Little? No, I'm saying Pale. Are you saying Pale? Pale Guardsman is what I'm saying. Are you saying Lal? Saying Lal. Lal Guardsman. I know this game, and I was about to buy it last night, and it sounds like to jump all over your review. Please do. It looks like it's Papers, Please. It is. It's Papers, okay, so it, it is. It's Papers, but I'll let Please. let you go ahead. Papers, Please, plus The Fairly Odd Parents, plus a little bit of visual novel, plus okay. jokes. Um, so just spoiler, I do like this game a lot. I think it's actually quite good. Um, I, I've seen this game coming down the pipe for a while, and I've, you know, I'm like, oh, it might be okay, but it looks like it could go wrong a lot of ways. I was pretty hesitant about it. But the publisher sent a code, so thank you very much for that, for the purposes of talking about here on the show, which I'm doing right now. And I got to say, they they kind of did a great job. Um, so basically, what is this? It is a 2D game where you play a 12-year-old girl named Lil. I think Lillian is her whole name. And she is taking over for her dad, who is a lovable guy, but he's also um, like a gambler, and he's kind of irresponsible, and he wants to go watch the goblin ball matches at the stadium all the time and bet on them. And so you have to cover for him at his job. And what he is, he's a gate guardsman. So he goes to this little like booth and he, he guards everybody uh, coming in. So he inter- interrogates them, uh, checks to make sure no undesirables are getting into the city. Uh, every day you start your job, you've got a list of stuff from your bosses. So it's like, they'll be like, oh, today, uh, don't let any goblins in. Or number two, we've got a lot of people smuggling today. Check for smugglers. Number three, if the... Uh, Visiting dignitary comes in. Don't hassle him. Just let him in right away. Like they'll give you these different like orders every single day. And I'm about halfway through the game right now. Uh, actually, it ended up being like a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But I was surprised at how much content there was. Anyway, so you you take over for your dad and you sit in this booth and you're kind of this sassy little 12 year old girl with this giant mane of hair. And you kind of just like hang out. And these people come up to the gate and they want to be led into the city. Uh, so number one, like the graphics on this game are really great. Like, uh, the, there's not like a ton of animation. There's minimal animation, but I don't think it really needs it. It comes off as kind of visual novel feeling and the pace is like turn-based and slow. Like you're not, it's not like papers, please. If anybody's familiar with that game, which I think is amazing. And I wish it would come to switch or something. Cause I don't like to play it on PC and I don't like to play it on my phone, which I have it both places, but, um, it's not fast. Like there's no time pressure and, and papers, please. It was very much like, a do these 19 different things in a hurry because you've got pressure to let people through the gate here. It's not like that. It's more like, it's more about deduction. So Mm. like, let's say a guy comes in and he looks kind of sketch. You're like, he's got a big trench coat on, he's got a hat. And so you have three chances to ask him or to do something. You've only get three interactions. So you can either talk to him three times or you can talk to him once and then do like two of your gadgets. You've got a a series of gadgets. You've got like an x-ray machine, metal detector. That's like a wand. You've got a whip, which I don't really use the whip very often. I'm not quite sure I'm supposed to do the whip. You've got truth serum and you've got a decoder ring that in case anybody has like coded messages. So Mm. you can use any of those if you wish, or you can just talk to them. Any combination of those things, but you can only do it three times. And at the end of your three interactions, you have to decide, let them in, kick them out and make them go away. And like once you get further in the game, send them directly to jail. So you've got three choices, three levers. So, like, if this guy comes up to your, your gate, this guy in the trench coat looks kind of sus, you ask him your first question, who the fuck are you, what do you want? And he's like, I'm just a guy, and I'm just doing business. And you're like, you know what, this is kind of weird. So, like, maybe you go your uh, your metal detector, or no, your, your x-ray. 
you scan the x-ray and you find out it's like two goblins inside a trench coat stacked on top of each other like like kids you know classic and then you're like okay bullshit then you call them out on that and like oh you're right you got us we're goblins and then you send them to jail that day because you're supposed to send goblins to jail or whatever so like it's, it's stuff like that where you you are presented with clues with each person like this lady comes up and she's like, I'm sweet and nice and I'm just like a lady and I'm just, you know, you want to let me in your city because I'm good people. But like if you look closely, she's got like blood smeared on the bottom of her skirt. Right. And she's not injured. So you're like, OK, that's pretty sus. You got to ask her about that. And if you use your metal detector, she's got a giant fucking butcher knife on her, which you're not supposed to bring into the city. So, you know, things like that, where you look at this person, you evaluate what you see, you ask them the right questions. And sometimes um, sometimes it's pretty clear. But sometimes it's a little bit trickier than that because sometimes you don't have exactly a clue. Like maybe your bosses didn't say anything that day. Um, for example, I got to the night night shift and this vampire comes up and look, he answered all my questions. Honestly, he wasn't deceiving me. And I looked at my instructions. And I didn't say anything about vampires. And so I let him in. And then the very next thing was like, you let a vampire in. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, you didn't say not to. So like sometimes no, you've got to okay. like, you know, it's not that clear cut. Although like, that should be implied. I mean, vampires are trouble, right? I mean, you would see, that's what you would think so. But this is like a fantasy world. So I don't know really the rules of the world. So maybe they want you to guesswork a little bit. Um, there is a feature that you can rewind time. So if you get one wrong, like I did, you can hit the rewind button and you can go back and like redo that one particular person. You have it like a certain number of times. So Wait, is it game over then if... You no, mess up? so sometimes it's game over. If it's like a really, really, really big fuck up, it's a game over. But if it's a minor fuck up, you just get like a bad score and you can go back and redo it if you want to. So oh, okay. you can redo those. And if you just have like a really bad run, like if you get like two or three like bad ones in a row where you're like, ah, oh, man, I got to get a bad rating on these. You can like redo the whole day if you want to. So on the one hand, it's pretty flexible because you can redo the whole thing. On the other hand, I kind of wish like, um, well, I'll say that for a second. Just hang on to that for a minute. Um, so that's pretty good. I think the art is really, really cute. It's very charming. It's very fairly odd parents, if you know what that looks like on Nickelodeon, where everybody's kind of like angular, but it's bright colors, kind of primary colors and big shapes. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like it could be like a Nickelodeon cartoon very easily. I could easily see this being a cartoon that you would watch or maybe even Adult Swim or something possibly like that. Um, and then once you get done with your guard duty, this is kind of where it diverges from something like Papers, Please, is where you can actually go um, to the city and there's like locations to visit. You can go to the bar, talk to people in the bar. They might have little side quests for you or maybe they'll ask you for favors, right? They'll be like, hey, my friend's coming through tomorrow. Let him in, will you? Like, I'll make it worth your while if you let him in. Like that kind of stuff. And so you got to gauge whether it's worth it to do it or not. Are you going to get in trouble? Can you get away with it? What's going to happen if you let him in? And there's lots of story intersections where you either let somebody in or you don't, or maybe you confiscate somebody's material or you don't and then a little thing pops up like telltale style that says oh you have affected the world like when something mm. big happens right and you don't know what it is right away like it's not just like a you know point a to point b like it could be later on down the road like for example there's this uh goblin sports person or she's like she's a troll a troll comes up she's like a sports ball player and she's like i gotta get to the stadium gotta get to the stadium and like you know you go through your process do i believe you do i not and there's there's actually like three or four different choices that can happen here but whatever you do to this person will have an effect on the game that she's actually supposed to play in and then that game will have an effect on like you like whether you you have a good outcome or a bad outcome so there's like some chain of effect things that happen which i think are pretty cool there's also like an underlying story about what's going on in the city people running the city have their own agenda and so it's like they're kind of using you as their pawn and you got to decide whether who do you side with if anybody do you trust them do you not trust them um but i don't want to make it sound like it's like super complicated this game is very 
light. And I say that in a good way because I think it's great that it's light. It's very easy. It kind of it's easy breezy. Like there's there's not a lot of inventory. There's not a lot of places to go. There's not a lot of choices. I think the real the hardest part of the game is just kind of figuring out each particular interview where you're like, should I use my x-ray thing? Because I've only got three chances. Should I use my truth serum? Like that's kind of like where you agonize the most. But I say that in a good way. Like I don't think bigger would serve this game in any way. I think it's just the right size that it should be because you get the feeling of like you've got stuff to do. There's options, places to go, but it's not overwhelming. You can get through it pretty quick and you get back to the meat of the game, which is like doing people, um, you know, your guard duty at the gate and seeing how that affects the city. So I think it's all really well put together. I think the writing is really good. It's not like laugh out loud gut buster writing, but I am constantly like chuckling. I've got a good, yeah, pretty frequent chuckle going on. Or like, oh, that was funny. And that was funny. And they do a lot of jokes that like reference the real world or they'll reference the silliness of like the medieval setting that you're in, the fantasy setting. Um, so dude, overall, I think this is a really good game. I think this is like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm doing like one day per day so like I'm, I'm doing one shift at the guard booth per day kind of like i did with um what is that the mail the mail uh the mailman game what was it season season that's not right lake lake that's what it was yeah we're like that's a great game but you don't want to mainline it i would do like one mail route per day i'm doing yeah. the same thing here i'm doing one guard duty per day and it's totally fun like i'm really enjoying it i love like seeing what happens and like each one is pretty challenging like i'm getting the ones where i'm like oh i'm really kind of thinking about them a lot so i think it's really good um, I, I think this is great. I'm having a wonderful experience. I like this game a lot. It's definitely, definitely a thumbs up. The only problem I have with this game, and this is going to sound kind of weird, um, I'm playing it on the Switch, and I feel like the load times are just, like, kind of slow. So, like, if I fuck something up and I want to go back and, like, redo a person, I want it to go faster. And sometimes when you're just, like, loading up a scene or sometimes when you're going to a place, and this is such a minor complaint, it sounds really weird, but it's really the only thing that kind of bugs me about this game is I feel like the loading times, it should, it should be peppier. It should go faster. I want it to just run a little faster, which is honestly not really much of a criticism. So um, big thumbs up overall. I think it's really well done. I think it's really clever. I think it's a great spin on the Papers, Please formula. Expansion of it. I think it's really charming if you like, you know, like Adult Swim cartoons or like, you know, something a little uh, intentionally offbeat or, you know, intended to make you laugh. It's good stuff. I think it's a win, dude. It's a total win. Dude, I'm going to get it because also I can check out those load times and see if on my PlayStation it's faster. It'd be interesting. Also, it reminds me of Penny Arcade as well, that art style. A little bit, yeah. Same, similar art style, yeah. And then I'm also getting the vibes, what it, what it sounds like, um, which is what I wanted, which is Night in the Woods and like Little Misfortune, which is like, it's more about the interesting interactions and characters. Definitely. It's not as talky as those. Um, it is less talky than that, but it definitely the same vibe where it's like, you're talking to people, you go back to the tavern, check in with your people over there, think about what's going on. And then little little things pop up that you don't expect, like little interactions that you wouldn't get in like a Papers, Please, where they take you to a different part of the city or like this thing pops up that you have to make. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but like surprise events pop up that you're not expecting. So I think that also yeah. gives the game legs as well. It's great. I think it's really great. I wish it ran just like a hair faster on the Switch. But if that's my only criticism, that's that's the mark of a great game, dude. It's the Switch's problem. Yeah, it's not their problem. The thing is long in the tooth, as they say. Agreed. Switch Agreed. 2. So, but Little Guardsman, good stuff. Check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, and we're not done. One more. You think it's done. Okay, yeah. No, I know uh, you said one more. What is the one okay. more? Just really quickly, because I didn't play a lot of it, but um, I thought I'd be talking about it a lot longer, but I'm just going to quickly mention Enshrouded, because that came out on PC. Uh, it's also a survival game. And it's kind of weird timing because it came out exactly at the same time, uh, pretty much close to Pale World. And Did you say Pale World? I said Pale World. Okay. 
And um, yeah, so I won't talk about it a lot because I will give it some more time. But it's a, you know, one person. I mean, you could do multiplayer, but like there's no pals. There's no uh, supporting people to help you do all the survival stuff. You got to do all so the grunt work yourself. You do all the grunt work yourself. Third person, you know, action-y combat, run around a huge world, uh, massive world, bigger than Power World, and the fact that, like, you can't even get to all of it. It's, like, insanely huge. And, you know, I played it for a hot, hot second, and it looks good, and it's, you know, relaxing, but just unfortunate timing because... I all the things I talked about not liking in a survival game is is, is there. in this game. Okay. Yeah, which is like, oh yeah, it's gonna take me forever to do some of these basic things. But to its credit, the combat is very fun. Like it's got a very good dodge roll. Okay. Very good dodge roll. And it's just a fun combat game to play. But um there's two things I don't like, and then I'll talk about it later because I'll give it another shot. Okay. But but one is um it's called enshrouded because a huge part of the map is covered in this shroud and the shroud has a time limit. So you can only stay in there for a certain amount of time. Other you'll turn into a monster. Is it like poisonous gas or something like you can? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. It makes you a zombie or something. Okay. But the point is I don't like that. Like I don't want a time limit in my game that I'm relaxing in. If it's supposed to be very stressful to me, it is very stressful when you're in there and then you have to fight monsters and get, you know, resources while you're in the shroud. I don't like it. So that one I don't like. Do they come out of the shroud? Or are you safe when you're out of the shroud? You're sh- you're safe when you're okay. out of the shroud. Okay. It's just like you go in there for certain things, you know. Uh, but a huge chunk of the map is that is that way. And the other thing is, you know, I do like that there is more story. Um, I think than you know, like a Pal World, um, and there's definitely like a reason to do some of this stuff. But yeah, it just comes back to that thing of like, this is going to take a long time to do like this one thing. You know, go get 50 oil or whatever. Right. And I'm like, ah. But then on the flip side, they got terraforming. And, like, you, like, literally dig into the mountains and stuff. And that's kind of cool. So there's, like, every, like, positive that shows up in the game, there's a negative to me. Um, But it's just bad timing. Because I literally – oh, I also died a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, dying – like, I went all the way back to the beginning. Do you lose you know? your stack of whatever you're carrying, too? If you're I lost your... shit or whatever, uh, yeah. yeah and I just feel like in Power World right now, because it's really access, you can do some custom settings. So I have it set up where I don't lose anything when I die. Gotcha. Which makes you, again, want to keep playing the game because it's like you don't worry about that stuff. So I just felt like there was too many things that I was worrying about and time-consuming. And then I was like, I'm going to go back to Power World. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's just bad timing. I'm going to like put it on the, what do you say usually? Back burner. Put it on the back burner. And I'm going to come back to it because I, I think they built something really cool. It's just, man, I'm like, oh, I could just have all my pals be doing that work. Right, you know what I mean? right, right. And then go ride a cat and fight a dragon. And it's just more exciting to me. Well, right maybe now, that's so. the next step in these games, right? Like maybe, maybe Pal World really clicked onto something where. People do like the survival formula, but, you know, maybe people like you and me are not too crazy about, like, chopping 10,000 logs. But if maybe having these worker bees or worker pals, maybe if that's the new norm, maybe that it puts a whole new spin on the genre, right? Maybe that's the new expectation from, from here on out. It's interesting. That, I mean, and that was in Craftopia, but because it, it didn't have the pals in it, yeah, people it didn't, didn't take off, it right? Like it didn't have the numbers, yeah. Right, but that that what you're saying is, is a very good point, and I don't think it's mentioned in almost any YouTube video, is that 
this is a kind of genre defining thing that would me and you included get pe- certain people into survival games because man oh man I wish it was in Enshrouded. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. then I could go do my action combat that I actually think is really good, right? But right now I'm like stuck at a thing that I got to get and I don't want to. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't why well, don't When you want hit to. that point in a game where you're like I just don't want to, that's that's when you know it's over. Yeah. <laughs> right, but then in order to make my base, I got to go get some of that stuff, right? Right, right. And right. base building and and power is just not to make it about that again, but like I always have resources coming in because things are being done at my my base all the time. Uh, and by the way, you can also make a second base or, and probably more at, the, at some point. So I made my second base next to this huge, you know, ore deposit. And it's just like, once you get that going, you got the stuff you need, you know? Right on. So right. anywho, I think it's a really good game and it's made well. I just need to, to visit it at another time. Right, right, right. I get that. I get that for sure. All right, that is the last game of our main portion. Uh, as per usual, before we bounce, we're going to bring a couple non-game things to the show, usually TV or movies. I've got a couple this week. Carlos, would you got anything? Uh, right now I'm watching The Kitchen, which is on Netflix. It seems really, really cool. It's like a dystopian action movie. It's called The Kitchen? Yeah, The Kitchen. It's about like a slum uh, area called The Kitchen. Um, it's about smuggling things and you know, combat and it's kind of a fun actiony movie and, but it's also dystopian and there's like sci-fi mixed with like ghetto. You know what I mean? Is who's in it? Anybody that we would know? Um, there's a famous, I think he's a, he's a rapper, but yeah, it's a, like a smaller cast that there are not like in quotes, big names. Gotcha. Again, I don't need no fucking Brad Pitt or it's Troy, Troy Baker. Baker. In it? Yeah. He's not in it. Cause I would see it if he was in it. I know you would. Yeah. He's a voice. Okay. Of, uh, I'm in. He's a voice. He's the voice of one of the drones. I'm in. I'm in. Anywho, I think it's really good. I just started it, but you can just kind of tell. I can tell. I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool. Okay. And then uh, also I'm watching True Detective, the new season. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the only thing I'll say about that is that, it, and this is not a spoiler, it's, it's out there now, but it's actually tied to the first season. Oh, cool. Excellent. Which I think is neat. Right on. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Um, I will say that Masters of the Universe Revolution. Oh, came I knew out you'd be week. all over yep, that. I was yes. very excited, even though I, I gotta say, I wasn't super crazy about the first series, which was called Revelation, written by Kevin Smith of Clerks fame. Um, I wasn't a super big fan of that, but I was very excited. As I said before, lifelong He-Man fan here, Masters of the Universe fan, forty plus years, um, card carrying member. And the fact that there's even anything at all for me to consume these days that is new is just like a blessing. So it's true. I, you, know, you got to be thankful for what you got. And for the fact that I can still buy brand new action figures, that I can watch a brand new cartoon for this property that started 40 years ago, that's fucking incredible. So, of course, I was going to support it. And I got to say, uh, it was actually pretty good. Now, caveat really quickly. Um, number one, I think it would make a lot more sense if you saw Revelation first. Um, because it directly ties into the story. Number two, this series, both Revelation and Revolution, these are made for the fans. So like these are written for people like me who know all the lore, who know the characters, who've been invested for many years, who who are coming to the series with a lot of knowledge beforehand, right? And I think that's fine. I'm not that's not a criticism in any way, but I just want people to know like what it what it's about and what it's for because um, there are some properties that are not like that. For example, the He-Man Masters of the Universe series, which came out also on Netflix, 
that was just called like Masters of the Universe. It was the one that looked like um, like Pixar or CGI. It was like a basic reimagining of He-Man. Um, very different aesthetic. It was definitely aimed more towards kids. Um, that one got really like a cold shoulder from the He-Man fan base, which I think it did not deserve. I thought it was actually a tremendous show. I really like it a lot. But that one was made for people to become fans of He-Man because you didn't need any prior knowledge. You didn't need to have any background. You could have like just cold, stone cold walked into it's that show. true because that's one I liked. I remember I got it. I just got into it right away. Yeah, I thought it was great. I love that show. And anybody listening, I think it's really worth watching. So but that's the difference, right? And I don't think people really understood that, especially I don't think the He-Man fans understood that because that show was for getting kids and newcomers and people who were not familiar with Masters of the Universe to get them in on the IP. And I think it did exactly that. It was a great show. Loved it. Uh, that was left out in the cold from the fans. But this show, Revolution and Revelation, those ones are for fans. Like you, If you don't know anything about He-Man and you start watching these, you're going to be like, what is going on? Who are these people? Too much stuff is happening. I do, why did he do this? What's happening? Like, I get it. And it was fine. When me and my son were watching it, we were like ping-ponging back and forth, calling out callbacks to like other series. Like, oh, look at that helmet. That's the helmet from season three. Oh, look at that thing in the background. Oh, that's that thing that goes to Adora. Oh, what is it? La-da-da-da-da. Like, we were calling out all this stuff. And my wife was like, wow, you guys are really going at it. I'm like, yeah, we're having fun. It's great. But we are both fans, right? So I just want to be clear. I think that Revolution is great. I had a great time with it. It's only five episodes. It's really short and it was over too soon. But like action packed, tons of crazy stuff happened, cool fights. Like it was all really good, but you have to be a fan. And if you're not a fan already, I have to imagine that you kind of would be like, this is, I feel like I'm getting kicked in the face with stuff. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. a lot of noise and explosions and I don't get it. But if you are a fan, great stuff and I liked it better. But I will say, um, I want to be very fair to the series. I want to be fair to. Um, Kevin Smith and also other producer Rob David who's a great guy I'm going to go back and watch the first series Revelation to reframe my expectations and to kind of really just take it in again and to really see did I really not like it or did I just not meet what I thought it was going to be so I'm going to watch that thing down. again and just see I give it a real fair shake you know but yeah. I will say Revolution great stuff also the other CGI He-Man just called Master of the Universe that's awesome as well so very happy that this is a thing that something's out there for me and Thumbs up on that. Um, I want to talk for a minute about Moonlighting. been watching this with my wife. We watched like one episode a night. And I know I was really high on it, like when we watched season one and two. Uh, this is starring Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard back in like, I think it started in 84, 85. Uh, that's 1984 and 85 for people who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and it started off really strong. I think the, the draw to this series is the uh, chemistry between uh, Willis and Shepard and just the back and forth and the, you know, the, the dynamic you know, they're so different. They're kind of like an odd couple where Sybil Shepherd is kind of like down to earth, but she's also kind of a, a rich girl in some ways. And Bruce Willis is like kind of this down and dirty guy, but he's also got some ethics. Um, and just the way that they bounce off each other is really the, the draw of the season or the, the show. It's like Cheers. A little bit like Cheers, like I Sam and Diane. That. Yeah, kind of yeah. like a Sam and Diane kind of thing. And people are like, what's Cheers? Who's Sam and Diane? I go know, Google both that. Both of us are saying 80s yeah. things. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, go Google that. You'll figure it out. But so season one, season two, pretty good. We get to season three and I feel like the whole thing just takes a complete left turn. Um, so just one at this point in the season, uh, I think that Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis have started to not like each other on a personal level. Um, I think that they were always kind of on opposite ends from the start, but I, it, I don't think it was that bad in the beginning. But now that the show was popular and at this point in the show, they're drawing like 60 million viewers a week, dude. 
that's fucking insane. I mean, that's great numbers. You don't to do me. that anymore. You don't it, do that, that anymore. Yeah. yeah. As as my wife said, that was the kind of TV that people were like arranging their life to make sure they were home in time to watch it, right? Yeah. So 60 million viewers is a monster fucking hit, even by today's standards. And so doing that back in the 80s was crazy. So at that point, that was when he started, Bruce Willis started doing um, Die Hard and he got really big. He got very, he started doing Seagram's commercials. I don't know if you remember that. He was like the Seagram spokesman for a while. He started getting crazy money, really, really popular. And he had less time for the show. He already didn't like Sybil Shepard. Sybil Shepard already didn't like him. And I think something else was going in the writer's room because in this season three, they start leaning really heavily into really bad sexism and stuff that wasn't really prominent in season one and season two. Like Bruce Willis becomes like even more of kind of like a lecherous dick. And they start making certain things okay that I I really was, was like eyebrow raising at. For example, um, in one episode... Uh, it's like a mystery of the week, right? And so this one guy gets really mad at his wife because he finds her cheating and he kills her, like immediately kills her on the spot. When Bruce Willis finds out that the guy has killed her, he he like makes excuses. He's like, well, you know, it's a heat of passion. Things happen. He's just a nice guy. It's okay. And me and my wife were just like rocking back in our chairs like, what? That guy fucking killed his wife. Are you, you're making it okay? Like you think it's, I mean, granted the wife was cheating on him, but like you murdered somebody like just like, like that kind of happened. There's one part where the the secretary of the office, her and the character, her name is Agnes DePesto. She's the one that rhymes all the time. If you see any clips with moonlighting and this lady's like doing these weird rhymes all the time, that's her. She's really sweet, really nice. And in season three, she becomes a rapist. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And everybody kind of like, just like, is like, whatever, it's fine. It's no big deal. And I just, I'm kind of blown away by like the serious, dark, nasty shit that they are like, hand-waving away. And I think maybe part of it is just like the 80s. But also, I have to wonder if like something was going on in the writer's room where like maybe the writers were going through a bad divorce or maybe they were just fucking misogynist as hell or whatever. But like some of the shit, like we went from going to like, oh my God, that was a good episode to like, Ugh, what are they going to do this time? You know, like we're kind of, yeah. we're almost hate watching it now because it's become like so weird and like gross and abhorrent. Like some of the stuff they're hand-waving away. It really well, took a hard turn, dude. First off, uh, w- welcome to the only podcast where you'll hear about <laughs> reviews from Moonlighting. Uh, secondly, you know, you're putting a 2024 lens absolutely. on an 80s absolutely. show. Absolutely. So if we do that with almost any show in the 80s right now, even like some episodes of Full House probably, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll be like, oh, that seems weird as fuck. So I think that's a, a huge part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's probably writer's room stuff too. But I mean, again, here's another piece. I'm just going to go on a mini rant. Like our expectations for shows nowadays is maybe uh, unrealistic, but it's also changed in the fact that we want the best. Do you know what I mean? Like in the 80s, we both grew up in this time period. We were lucky to get a show (laughs) that fucking worked. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe was funny and maybe had a heartfelt moment. But now we have like HBO shows. We have, you know, a million streaming services that make movies essentially that are episodes and incredible actors, incredible writing. And I just feel like we're spoiled, you know? And like, so I think that that it's a just totally different lens because now it's like, if it's not a really great mini movie that like also speaks to everything we all care about and is make in saying the right things, then it's not good. I mean, I think you're correct in a way. I, definitely I, don't even know think, what I, I don't even know what point I'm making, but that's just the thing. I mean, I think I get what you're saying. And I definitely agree that like, you know, the medium of television 
and movies for, for that matter has has changed we are expectations have changed societal norms have changed like you yeah. know definitely as a society we are we are more uh you know looking at things in a different way right we want to talk about equity equality um you know less of the isms and stuff like that but like and i and even making the allowances for the 80s because I've, I've come across stuff from the 80s where i'm like oh that was pretty good like they they kept it clean and nobody like took a shit on anybody and it was all fine. But then some of it just like, it goes like too far, like to the point where it's just like, really just like kind of offensive almost. And I just, and it's not even like, like I don't need something catered specifically to me, but like basic, like human respect or like, you know, like not saying it's okay to murder a woman and it's no big deal. Or like not, you know, like not like, like stalking somebody and respecting that a person doesn't want to be stalked. Like, like basic human rights and stuff that I feel like we are now prioritizing these days which we should have prioritized back then it's just really shocking to see what you know because like not only did they write the script somebody directed the script somebody approved the script produced it some guy at abc or cbs or whatever said yes green light go ahead and so like it went through all these hands and to think that like this thing that you know this guy murders a woman and everybody says it's totally fine and he was justified because whatever because he's a guy like to, yeah. to see that go through so many hands and then to be on, on a TV show and, and I'll tell you I went back and I looked at some reviews because I was feeling pretty outraged right I'm like I my memories of the show are much different than the reality of me watching it now and so I went to go look up reviews and it's weird because I bet in like a year's time it'll be different because this show was not available for a long time you couldn't you only could get the DVD if you bought it if you couldn't have the DVD then you were out of luck there was no streaming you couldn't find it anywhere else and so it's been out of circulation for a long time it only recently came back like maybe two three months ago um, after like decades hiatus, right? And so a lot of the reviews are from a long time ago or people who were just working with their memory like I was. And now that people are getting back into it, it's like all this like lovey-dovey stuff. But I think in six or six months or a year, we're going to start seeing people go like, whoa, we didn't realize like how much bad shit is in this because actually oh, a lot yeah. of this is like not really acceptable anymore. So performances are still great, but like a lot of it is just like, man, just like really disappointing. And it didn't live up to my memory, you know? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes rose tinted glasses, obviously, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Final thing I'll bring up, uh, the movie The Marvels just came out for streaming, came out a couple days ago. We watched it. Have you seen The Marvels, Carlos? I have not. I have thoughts on it. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't make a opinion. Uh, I, I mean, the number one thing is I'm, like a lot of people, just totally, uh, what's the word? T just tired of Marvel movies sure, in general. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I don't, exhausted, there's another word I'm thinking about. But um, yeah, it's just the inundation, the non-innovation, the cookie cutter templates style shows, you know, that yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that for sure, yeah. So that's just unfortunate where I, my head's at. So I could give two shits about anybody in a Marvel universe. But I do like what you'll probably say is that I like, you know, the idea of these characters getting representation, you know, in, in a movie. Uh, and it being a woman-focused movie seems cool. So... Was it good? Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I mean, I think I'm definitely suffering from some Marvel burnout, too. I think ever since everything passed like Infinity War, I think that was kind of like the high point, the big crescendo oh, yeah. for the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Right. Everything since then, I feel like has been, you know, there's been a few things that have been OK, but like I think they're kind of running out of steam or they're kind of in a rut creatively. Um, they're not really leaning into their strengths. But I think this was um, this was a good one. This one didn't get uh, a good critical reception. And I think a lot of that is probably from just like, you know, the chuds who were like, there's not a white man in this movie and I don't like women and blah, 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 blah. But basically, I thought this was quite good. And I do feel like this one was fresh and fun because it kind of got back to like what we liked about Marvel in the first place, where it's like 
You didn't need to have a whole bunch of knowledge beforehand. I mean, it did tie into some certain events, but you could have walked into this movie basically cold and still had a pretty good time with it. Um, it's like led by three women. Two of the three women are not white. So I think that was great. And it's just, they leaned into just like the fun. So here's, here's the capsule, right? It's Captain Marvel, who is the white lady. And she's basically like the, the Superman of the Marvel universe. She's like mega powerful. Nobody can defeat her. She's just like cosmic level strong. We've got Kamala Khan, who is like a street level hero. How she, she's got like a magic bracelet and she does stuff, but she's like, she's like saving the community center and stuff. Like she's not doing like earth shattering stuff. She's also, and she, she was the main character in Avengers, the video game, which I love. Exactly. Campaign. Yes. Yeah. And she is, uh, is she Iranian? Where is she from? I forget. She's Middle Eastern of some sort. I apologize, folks. I don't remember. I don't know what her specific background is, but they do a lot of like her culture. Um, her mom and dad and her brother are in it a lot and they represent that culture a lot. They're really, really, they're a great family, really funny. And then we have Monica Rambeau, who is black and she was in the Vision and Scarlet Witch series and she has powers. But like all three of these characters have light based powers. And so what ends up happening, and this is not much of a spoiler, it's been, it's been talked about. What happens is through happenstance, they get connected by their powers, even though they don't really like know each other. Well, two of them know each other, but they don't know Kamala Khan. Anyway, every time one of them uses a power, they switch places and it becomes like this, like kind of slapsticky action, like gag that they do throughout the movie where someone's going to throw a super powered punch, but before it lands, they switch. And then the person who gets tagged in is like, what the fuck's going on? Where am I? And they kind of have this like comedy of errors back and forth where it's like mm. really light and goofy and fun. Um, they eventually go on to do some like, you know, big action sequences and stuff. But I appreciated that it was really about these women working together having some fun. Kamala Khan is like nerding out because she loves Captain Marvel. It's like meeting her hero in person. And they just, it just has a different vibe. It didn't feel like it was leading up towards the next big event. It didn't feel like it was too serious at all. Like we laughed a lot. They got those weird alien cats with the tentacles in their mouth. They show up a lot. And that's kind of fun if you like cats. And uh, it just was like a, 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 it felt like its own thing in some ways, which I think is what's missing from a lot of the Marvel movies where, it almost feels like they're all part of a big machine. And if you miss one part, you don't know what's going on. And they just kind right. of, it's just too connected, too tight. This one felt like it was just like, hey, man, just like have a good time for like an hour and a half. And like, you don't really need to do your homework before you get here and see these three awesome women doing an awesome job. And it was just just light and fun. And that's all it was. Just like yeah. a light and fun time, you know, self-contained and basically. Um, yeah. And she's Pakistani. Pakistan. Thank you. Yeah. Pakistani. Yeah. So they got a lot of that culture. Um, and the mom, I mean, the mom and the dad and the brother, the Pakistani mom and dad brother, they're fucking awesome. Every time they, they steal the scene, whenever they show up, it's so cool and fun to watch her family who are not superheroes in any way reacting to these superheroes and having normal human reactions and being like, oh my God, like they smashed our car and like, you know, what, what are we doing? Yeah, and where's yeah. that, you know, where's this laser coming from and all this stuff. It, it really humanizes the movie in some ways where the thing is smart. So I liked it. You know, it's not, it's not Oscar worthy. It's not, you know, I'm not going to watch it 10 more times, but it's one of the better Marvel movies I've seen in a while. And it kind of does recall what's missing from a lot of Marvel movies lately, which I really liked. So got it. thought it was fun. All right. Check it out. Check it out. And that's a show. That's a show. That's a show. Folks, before we go, would love for you to leave us reviews, share us on social media, and most important of all, recommend us to your friends. Nothing beats word of mouth. I guarantee it. Also, if you want to support us, as I said before, um, you can chip in over at patreon.com forward slash the So Video Games Podcast. $5 will get you the Discord invite from me personally. And also, we would love to get your questions and your comments. Hit us up at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com or you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we sending your traffic this week, sir? 
Uh, Glitch to the Ground, also on uh, TikTok and YouTube, both, as well. Uh, YouTube is starting to take off uh, pretty well. So, yeah, YouTube.com. And I think it's just slash at Glitch to the Ground. Uh, check out some stuff, especially if you like Pale World. Pale World is doing some numbers this week, I think. So, Oh, dude. As for me, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Blue Sky. It's my name. B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 373. Thank you again so much for joining us here on the Soviet Games podcast. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. That and had like some melody to it. Thank you. I've been working on it. Is it. What is that called when you do that? Uh, a little trilling or a little tremolo in my voice? Tremolo, yeah. There we go. There we go. There's your word see for the day. We'll see you next week. <laughs>